As the world's only personalized vitamin platform based on a health assessment and your DNA, ID Life provides its members with high-quality ingredients backed by pure science. It's science. Check out rockinthatidlife.com and speak with Dustin about how you can reach your goals today. That's rockinthatidlife.com. Sunrise Brewery is a proud sponsor of Let's Go Blues Radio. Visit centerizebury.com today to schedule a no-contact curbside pickup or make a reservation in their awesome tap room. That's Centerize Brewery located in Midtown St. Louis. Let's go blues. You can't trade Alex Steen. And Regina, or Regina if she were a town in Canada, uh, she responds with, why not Bennington? Real men do drink pumpkin beer. Get ready to hear some noise tonight. Hi there, everyone. I'm Haley Wickenheiser, and this is Let's Go Blues Radio. This is Eddie Garcia from the Fox Sports Radio Network and co-host of the Puck Podcast, and you're listening to Let's Go Blues Radio. Hi, guys. This is Erica Weston with Fox Sports Midwest, and you're listening to my favorite St. Louis Blues hockey podcast, Let's Go Blues Radio. You're just seconds away from Let's Go Blues Radio. Hi, everybody. This is Ken Wilson. Once upon a time, I broadcast blues hockey. I always listen to Let's Go Blues Radio. It's everything you'll want as a blues fan. Oh, baby. Welcome to Season 9, Episode 52 of Let's Go Blues Radio. This is the fully vaccinated, often imitated, but never duplicated, never biodegraded, we are the original St. Louis Blues Hockey Podcast. Support for Let's Go Blues Radio is brought to you in part by RockinThatIDLife.com, the world's only truly personalized vitamin platform based on a health assessment of your DNA, and by CenterizeBrewery.com, St. Louis's first and only hockey-themed brewery. We're broadcasting live on Thursday, September 9th, 2021. This is franchise episode number 318 all-time. I'm Jeff Ponder, and I'm joined by should-be CBC Hall of Famer Bill Day. Right, Bill? <laughs> My name's on the wall. There you go. My name's on That's the wall in the gym. Backup goalie or starting goalie? Uh, backup, for sure. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. still, I very valuable. better than anybody. Yeah. Well, there you go, man. You, you, know what's, you know what's up. Uh, Kirk Price is on assignment. So everybody kick back, crack open a beer or a hydrate from rockinthatidlife.com and enjoy some hockey talk for the foreseeable future. To interact with the show on social media, we're on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, Kurt is the one that's now trying to figure out TikTok, so we'll check in with him next week to see how he's doing. Bill gave up. Uh, he couldn't figure it out, so unfortunate. Yeah. Damn it, Bill. I'm, I'm way too old. <laughs> That's going to be an ongoing joke forever. We'll never have a TikTok, yeah. just so everybody knows. Uh, have you checked out our Discord server? It's an excellent community for Blues fans to interact with one another, as well as the hosts of this show. It's been a little quiet this summer, but uh, we will be back as soon as the season gets going. It's always a good time. For more info, go to letsgoblues.com slash Discord. We are dual live streaming right now on YouTube and Facebook. If you haven't already done so, please describe, subscribe to the show smash the bell so you'll get notifications when we go live uh bill we have a very special guest with us today uh we are going to get to him in just one minute but uh wanted to ask you how sheldon the dog is doing and and how life has been at the day household oh um sheldon's great um 
Oh, there he is. He's back here, working on his nails. So <laughs> that's he's, good. He's great at taking care of those. Um, no, he's he's been great, uh, healthier uh, than uh, than ever. Um, relative to Sheldon's health, but uh, yeah, he's great. Um, and uh, yeah, our our household is. Uh, yeah, just a little too busy with work these days, but uh, yeah. Otherwise, hear that. you know, I cannot wait for puck drop. We're 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 getting there. We're inching closer every show. It's so much closer. So speaking yeah. of puck drop, somebody who's around the team a lot. Want to welcome in a friend of the show, already a friend of the show. Now he is a two or three time friend of the show. I don't know. Uh, Lou Korak, who you can follow on Twitter at LKorak10. He's also obviously the blues writer over at NHL.com. And uh, you can also check out In the Slot, which is his personal blog at LKorak10.blogspot.com. Lou, thank you very much for coming on the show, and I hope uh, you're enjoying your summer. Yeah, good to be with you guys. Uh, it's been far and few in between talking pucks this summer, but... Uh... Glad to kind of get polished up here a little bit and uh, get things going because uh, the prospects are going to be getting together next week. And uh, what better way than to uh, polish my skills back up again than to start talking a little blues hockey? I'm glad to you be going to go you up there. You going to be up there? Or are you just going to be covering from down here? Uh, uh, no, I'm not going to go up there. Uh, you know, the opportunity existed, but uh, you know, I've I haven't made that trip. I've always talked about making that trip i heard it's a pretty unique experience but uh a lot going on around here usually so uh, we just kind of sit back and are able to watch the games and take a look in at the prospects and uh kind of get ready for the regular camp to start up yeah so uh summer months for you i mean uh we've, we've been talking on this show about you know obviously with the condensed schedule last year with the uh, uh, playoffs going a little later than typical, uh, free agency, all of that's later than we normally would have seen. Um, have you noticed uh, this summer went by a little quicker than usual, or has it just been kind of you know, business as usual for you? You know what? It's just been really weird because you're used to so many different things being on a set schedule and then – you know, now you're just thinking, wow, camp's going to start here in, what, a week, week and a half, you know, and uh, with free agency not being at the start of June or July and then Stanley Cup final usually ends uh, mid-June, all that kind of got pushed back again and uh, just so many different things that have kind of been going on. I'm, I'm just really looking forward to more than anything, just everything getting back on schedule like it used to be. I mean, that's that's when you get into a flow. That's when you really get into – a rhythm of what's going on, what you're doing. Uh, you, you know certain dates when things are going to happen, and uh, you're just kind of waiting for all that to happen. So, uh, but it's nice that camp's going to get started here pretty quickly because I can't remember even what camp feels like now since you know it, it was unconventional last year. It was uh, really different the year before with with the ending to the season. So I'm just really. And I'm sure everybody kind of can share their feelings on that. Just really looking forward to everything getting back to normal again. Uh, So I want to go ahead and say uh, in our Facebook comments, uh, we've got Adam Gold saying good evening and uh, good evening to you, friend Adam. Uh, You had uh, posted something you wanted me to ask Lou earlier, and I've already forgotten it. So go ahead and post it back there in the chat and I'll make sure to ask. It was something ridiculous. Just so you know, Lou, it's uh, he was asking you to, I think, do a rap battle or something. 
Um, but, uh, <laughs> uh, so real quick, we'll do our official beers of episode number 318. Uh, you can follow each of us on the Untapped app. Uh, Kurt, who's not with us tonight, he's at C Price 12. You can find me at J Ponder 94, and Bill is at Billy Blue Note 33. Bill, what are you drinking tonight? Um, it's Oktoberfest season, so I've got my Oktoberfest mug. You can find the camera. Um, and I am putting back Four Hands Fest beer. So the. Nice. Uh, the beer that you go to beer or to uh, to Munich to pound. And nice. Yeah, it's it's that time of year. Um, I think next week we'll start getting into the uh, the heavier box and uh, before too long back to stouts. But yeah, so yeah, my second beer is the uh, O'Fallon Pumpkin, which is my favorite pumpkin beer. Really, the only one I drink that and the Pumpkin. Um, but yeah, I was actually quick story about Oktoberfest. I went into the liquor store tonight uh, and I thought, man, I got to get a, I'm going to get an Oktoberfest. I'm feeling the weather. I, w- I went out and ran today. It was beautiful. And so I thought, oh, this is a perfect night to have an Oktoberfest, break it open for the season. No Oktoberfest beer where I went. I was I was pissed. How do you not have Oktoberfest? Ugh. So I did. I just settled for pumpkin, but that's fine. Uh, but tonight, that is not my official beer of the episode tonight. I'm enjoying one of my new favorites. I just discovered this within the last couple months because typically this is not my style. Kona Brewing, Big Wave. Uh, just a great Hawaiian beer. Um, I think our friend uh, Dr. F117 Nighthawk says she's going to be going out there, if she hasn't already, uh, sometime soon and checking out the brewery, which is awesome out in Hawaii. But uh, just a great beer. When you drink it, you feel like you're on a beach. Um, just, uh, I don't know. It, it's not normally my style of beer, but I'm a big fan. Yeah. Bill, uh, I, it's been a few years, but, uh, they've certainly picked up the advertising. Um, I feel like every Saturday morning when, when I'm streaming premier league on the, uh, the NBC app, that's, uh, that's always playing. And then I think Hulu is also big on that right now. Yeah. Um, I've seen it on Hulu. Pretty, yeah, pretty decent commercials. Um, but uh yeah. Um it's yeah, it's been several years since I've had it, but I, I do recall enjoying it. All right, Bill, cross the river. Come on over, you can have one. I'll allow it. <laughs> Man, you guys are making me feel really bad. I don't know any of these things. I guess I'm just a simple A B guy. I don't know. Yeah, well, you know, A B's good. Uh I'm a big shock top fan. That's one of my favorite beers. Um, I know you said earlier you well, like uh, Michelob Ultra, which to me that is that is golf course beer. I love Mick, drinking oh. that on the golf course. Uh, Mick Mick Golden Light. Mick Golden, Mick Golden Light is the choice for me. Yeah, that's usually that's good the choice too. for me. And you know, I play. Uh, I don't know if you guys are aware, but yeah, I play indoor soccer several nights a week, and uh, that that's kind of mm. my keep myself in shape sport, and has been pretty much my entire life. But yeah, usually afterwards uh, the those are the buckets that are usually flowing at our tables when we're done. <laughs> We've uh, oh, awesome. we got a lot of questions coming in right now. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm guessing. Okay, so my okay, so uh, Lou, this is something that's unfamiliar to you, I'm sure. My mother is a big fan of the show. Surprise, surprise. She's in the Facebook chat. I'm going to go ahead and mention her um, before uh, we get to the rest of uh, everybody else. 
Uh, she says, and we're going to go ahead and I guess do a little today in Cardinals history. Mark McGuire hit number 62 on this day. I actually didn't realize that. That's uh, I saw oh. the video clip of that earlier, actually. I did see the video clip of that earlier today, so I was aware of that. Huh. I was not. I and, and you know what's funny is my mom and I were just entranced, you know, in 98, not to make you uh, guys feel bad. I was, uh, what, 13? 13 years old. <laughs> Sorry, Lou. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we – I, I mean, my mom was a big McGuire fan. She's a big baseball fan, loved Ozzy too. And, uh, man, we just were captivated. I, I actually just found a bunch of VHS tapes of Cardinals games I had recorded. And, I mean, I think I got every home run between 45 and 70 that year on tape. So, unfortunately, MLB won't let me post those on YouTube, but uh, cool to have for sure. So we'll get to today in Blues history a little later because we want to talk to Lou first. So again, Lou, a uh, writer for NHL.com, and he's got some great in-depth coverage of, of chats with Blues players, Blues management, Blues coaching, you know, anyone he can he can talk to uh, over at uh, his In the Slot blog, which again, you can find if you're watching the video stream, you can see it there in the bottom right corner, uh, right behind Lou, right under Lou. Uh, lcorak10.blogspot.com. So, Lou, thanks for coming on, and um, I hope you're you're ready for some real hard-hitting questions because that's what we do here. Fire away, <laughs> folks. Where's Hitch when we need him? Fire away, folks. Yep. So our first question, the first hard-hitting question, is what I mentioned earlier from our friend Adam, listener Adam. He says, can I ask Lou to reenact the announcement of the O'Reilly trade in the style of DMX? <laughs> can I pass? It's pretty close to a rap battle. <laughs> you can pass. Yeah. Uh, I, I saw that I'm, he posted that earlier, and we made the announcement. I'm like, you have got to remind me that one because that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, that's. I, I don't. Boy, that that would that would take a special craft to reenact that one uh, with with the right person too. So, but I'll tell um, you what, I I can tell you about that one real quick though. I was. I remember when that went down um, and I thought, I literally thought we were done for the day and that, and the talk on that was just persistently dying down. And I believe July 1st was what a Sunday that day. I think it was, yeah, if I'm not mistaken. And I'm like, come on, it's time to get out of here. It was such a nice day out and uh, you're cooped up in this desk all day long. And we thought that they were just done for the day. And then next thing you know, this thing came out of nowhere at like seven thirty, eight o'clock at night. And I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding me. And then when I saw what the trade details were, I was like, holy smokes, who the heck did Doug Armstrong fleece on this one? Yep. And the yeah. rest is history. Yeah, we, uh, I, I know I've told this story countless times on the show, but uh, Sundays are my, you mentioned playing indoor soccer. I'm a hockey, you know, I play a lot of hockey too. So I'm, uh, I was uh, playing from men's league team at like noon or one o'clock that day. And it was shortly after the Perron and Bozak signings were announced. Mm -hmm. And the talk in the locker room was what the hell David Perron for a third time. Tyler Bozak is your answer for your number one center. What the hell is Armstrong doing? I mean, everyone was in a bad mood. We were, I remember lining up in the face off and talking to somebody else and him, him yelling back to a teammate, Hey, you better win this like Bozak. And then we all just kind of looked at each other and I'm like, can you believe that that's what's going on today? And he's like, God, they're going to be terrible next year. And 
and then that that night, you know, like you said, it was, you know, we're all relaxed at home, you know, we're getting ready for the week and all of a sudden the O'Reilly trade comes down. I know I've told this part of the story too. Friend of the show, Dustin Paul, messages me, did you hear that they got O'Reilly for Berglund Saboka? And I'm like, you are lying, sir. Why would you say this to me? And then all of a sudden I go on Twitter and it's just blowing up. So, yeah, I mean, just yeah. like you, I know we were all shocked when that trade went down. I had to do a double take. I literally did. And when I saw, okay, this is official, uh, I got the official word on this, and then saw the details, and I just kept thinking. I was like, and? And? And I kept waiting for the and, and it never came. And I was just like, I was floored. And the next thing you know, yeah, we're talking we're talking to Doug Armstrong that night. And, uh, yeah, that was um, – it was quite an eventful day, uh, can, you know, like you had mentioned, you know, with the free agent signings and then, you know, the creme de la creme, if you want to call it, that was, uh, that was, that was quite a coup. And uh, that, that, that one will, that one will stay in uh, blues history for a long, long time. It's one of those trades that uh, definitely was not, not just one sided, but one decisively by this franchise. Well, and let's not even, you know, let, I know I kind of just uh, passed over Perron and Bozak. Both those guys became big pieces of that cup team. And David Huge. Perron is playing probably the best hockey of his career right now in, in a Blues jersey. 100%. And I made a comment uh, a couple weeks ago that I think when, when it's all said and done, hopefully he retires a blue, he could be in the top five, top ten Blues all time with the numbers he's putting up. Uh, top five is going to be tough. Top 10. I can, I can definitely get on board with that one, but you know, I res I reserve judgment on that call still because I mean, he doesn't look like he's slowing down anytime soon. So who knows what kind of numbers he's going to continue to put up here. But, uh, yeah, I would say right now you got a pretty good, uh, you got a pretty good claim there for p potentially being a top 10 all time blue, but yeah, you got some. You got some guys that are that are up there in that top five that are going to be awfully hard to pass. So, uh, I, yeah, I always say uh, he's the. Uh, I never say this on the show, so this might be the first time. Bill, tell me if you've heard this one. He's the Julia Louis Dreyfus of the Blues roster because he just keeps getting better with age. <laughs> um, you've said it in the green room, but never on the air. <laughs> well, there you go. Hopefully, Julia's listening. Um, <laughs> uh, I want to add to everybody. I do see your comments coming in, in Facebook and YouTube. So we will be getting to those, but there's a couple questions that I would like to get to, uh, to start off here with Lou. Uh, first of all, you mentioned uh, a couple minutes ago that, you know, reporting during the past year and a half has just been so different for you. It's been a different swing. I'm sure you've been home a lot more than you're used to. But um, just kind of kind of a blanket question here, but tell us what it was like. You know, how did your life change and, and how did reporting change other than, you know, obviously you've got your Zoom calls with the players, but, you know, your prep for the game, how you, you know, you, you write your gamers and all that. How have you been able to go about that during, during this COVID-19 pandemic? Well, it's, it's a good question. And, uh, a lot did change. Uh, I would say just start off from, from a practice perspective. It wasn't really too different other than the Zoom calls that you mentioned. I mean, you know, you go out to whether it be Centene or whether it be down at uh, Enterprise and 
you know, other than dealing with, you know, the COVID protocols and consistently wearing a mask, I mean, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty standard as far as, you know, covering practices, but uh, yeah, it was just nonstop zoom after zoom, after zoom, after zoom. And that, that's the part to me out of all this, that's just, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to eliminating. Uh, and, and I think I can speak for all the, all the colleagues and all the fellow writers, broadcasters, uh, whoever may be involved in covering the team. It's just, there's nothing like the human interaction and the face-to-face interaction with uh, not just, not just on the record of talking to players and coaches and whether it be Doug Armstrong and whatnot, but just, you know, just general little chit chat, you know, where, where you develop relationships with guys and, uh, you know, joking around with them, just talking, you know, trading stories and stuff like that. And it's kind of the same thing with games, but my only biggest difference with games when you're covering the games is uh, you didn't have to rush to get downstairs, to get down the elevator, to get down into the locker room, to try to hurry up. Have, you know, you file a game or on deadline and send send a first right through game story in and then you got to try to hit the elevator to get downstairs so you can go down and get interviews and then get back upstairs and transcribe it was like okay the games are over you can just kind of sit there and open up your zoom link and wait wait for uh blues pr to uh you know bring in whoever they bring in and uh you know and when you've got that human interaction you know a lot of times, you know, yeah, they, they tend to ask us, you know, well, who do you want after the game? And they'll put somebody on the board. But there's also times where, you know, you can see somebody walking by and you're like, hey, such and such. Hey, hey can, I, can we chat for a few minutes? And, you know, you miss that part of it, too. You know, it's just – but the bottom line is the human interaction. That's what I've missed more than anything. It's just not being able to see any of these guys and just talk to them face-to-face. And I, I can tell you guys this um, – and I can't speak for these guys, but just the sense that I get is that I think these guys are tired of staring into computer screens themselves. They want to be able to see us face to face and really give an honest answer to a question, what have you not. And uh, instead of just kind of clamming up like, uh, you know, like, like, like a robot, basically, you know, I mean, when when you're talking to people, even in scrums, I mean, it's, it's better when you're going with them one-on-one or when there's two people talking with them, you know, that they, they tend to be a little more loose and maybe give you a, a better answer than, than what they're doing on these zoom calls. Uh, and I know Alex Steen was a, one of the ones that had brought it up last year, uh, right. When he had announced his uh, retirement that uh, he was, he was trying to get pretty in depth into a question that somebody had asked him. Uh, and he kind of looked at He kind of looked into the screen talking to all of us and saying, uh, you know, I wish I can, I wish I could talk to you guys face to face. I can give you a better answer on this. And that just really hit home with me that that's the part that I really miss guys is more than anything. And uh, can't wait to get back to that. And uh, uh, the league is going to allow us back into the locker room access, but uh, only for those that are fully vaccinated and you still have to wear a mask, but you know what? I'll make that trade any day. If I can go back into the locker room and talk to guys face to face again. Uh, any other protocol that that you've heard of that that's going to change your day to day when you're reporting on the team? Uh, those those are the biggest ones, uh, and obviously everything's going to be subject to change. You know, depending on you know with the league and working with you know the the CDC and uh, and just just the guidelines in general and the protocols that are set. Uh, 
it's 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 still everything's still going to be kind of fluid and it's going to be in flux but this is the way we're going to start it off and that that's the most important thing is the fact that uh you know you'll get a chance to go back in and i'll be honest with you guys it's it got me it got me going on that ball too because I'm not afraid to admit it. Uh, I'm I'm pretty needle phobic, okay? And needles needles scare the heck out of me, and they always have since I was a kid. But you know what? Reality hit with me, and I kind of told myself, you know what? Do you want to be subjected to uh, Zoom interviews for good, and and you know try to do your job that way? Because let's be honest with you, I don't like doing my job that way, and I didn't like doing my job that way. Uh, but I knew it was necessary for us to get by this period. But if you want to get back into the locker room, you're going to do it the right way. And uh, I think that's going to kind of help everybody uh, get get into that path of n- not only vaccination, but, uh, you know, complying with the protocols that they set. And hopefully, you know, we can all get back to life the way it used to be. So uh, obviously training camp wrapping up or ramping up here in just a little bit. Uh, players starting to report to St. Louis now. Um for you, you know, this is still the summer months for you, I guess, in a way, but that's going to change very quickly here. Uh, what's uh, what's your life going to be like the next couple of weeks? I'm actually looking forward to it. I mean, it's once once free agency and I've always kind of noticed this from experience that once free agency comes and goes, uh, you know, you, you can have your stories that you can do uh, just, you know, on what guys are doing during the summertime or if anybody has any anything special going on. But it's usually what I kind of call uh, our dead time, you know, because, you know, unless somebody signs or gets traded or what have you not, uh, there really isn't a ton going on. And uh, you just kind of wait for, you know, the free agency days to really kind of wane down. And then you wait, you wait for training camp. And uh, once training camp gets going, it's, two feet going forward and, and uh, you don't look back uh, and it starts with, uh, and this year it's going to start with, uh, you know, the prospects uh, going to Traverse city. And then, uh, you know, not too long after that, uh, the main guys will get going. And a lot of them are already here now and, you know, they're skating on their own. They're out at Centene going and uh, they, they like to use this time to uh, get prepped and make sure they're in as good a shape as possible before camp uh, even starts because, you guys know as well as I do that, you know, the, the great thing about NHL training camps is, you know, once they get going two, three, four days into it, boom, you're playing preseason games and you're off and running. And these coaches expect you to be in shape once you get here and once that starts. So this is kind of the time that those guys use for that. And, uh, yeah, once uh, once the prospects get going and then once training camp gets going, it's uh, it's pretty much uh, an everyday basis for us. And, uh uh, you're pretty much going nonstop until uh, they they either don't make the playoffs, get eliminated from the playoffs, or as the Blues case was back in 2019, which was uh, something great for all of us to cover. You win it all. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, that was uh, that was the hardest part for me about the Blues winning in 2019 was I was like, you got out four years too early, boy. You uh, you should have still been in the media <laughs> because you could have covered this. <laughs> I bet that well, was a lot of fun, you, Jeff. Uh, yeah, that was uh, you know that was that was uh, an experience, uh, a great experience. I mean, look how long it took me to finally cover a Stanley Cup champion. And I'll tell you what, I remember uh, after Game Seven, I was probably the last one to leave TD Garden that night. And I'll give you guys just the, the quick nuts and bolts of that. 
it's going on three o'clock in the morning and I'm like the last guy to leave the arena. I got, I, t- I took a picture of it cause I might've even, uh, I might've even outlasted, uh, the cleaning crew afterwards. And, uh, so I'm walking out and I can't, it, it, the streets of Boston there are just completely dead. And, and, and rightfully so. I mean, it was funny because before the game, they were all talking about how there was going to be a, a big party on the streets of TD garden after that. Cause they were just sure they were going to win game seven. And, uh, I'm looking around and, uh, I thought about taking a picture of the dead streets and just putting a caption on it going, where's everybody at? Where's the party at? And, and I just didn't, I just didn't want to get bombarded with all these hateful Boston replies. And I just kind of left it alone, but I just thought that that would have been kind of great. And so I caught an Uber to the airport and three hours later I'm on a plane and I'm thinking, God, what am I going to do tomorrow? You know, it, it, it just, it just ended like that. And, uh, but I did remember I got home and it was like, man, I'm, I don't think I'm going to get out of this bed for the next 12 hours. And yeah, this <laughs> after that, it was like, uh, what the heck am I going to do with my time now? Because I'll tell you what, when you get into the playoffs, it is it is a grind to cover. It really is. And it's it's day after day after day and just multiple story after multiple story. And the, the littlest thing you're 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 writing about or uh, you're you're on a on a radio show doing, or somebody's got you on a spot doing a TV segment, but it was, it was awesome and an experience I'll never forget. And, uh, you know, for everybody that got to enjoy it, I'm sure they would tell you the same thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I covered, uh, the, the most I ever covered was two rounds with the blues. It was, uh, 2012 when they beat the sharks and then, uh, lost to the Kings. And yeah, say, I mean, stories were a little were different for you. Uh, that you was the right, year, the year there? I left was when they went to the, the third round. Uh-huh. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yeah. They, yeah, they yeah. waited until I left to get good. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, uh, yeah, I was there in 2012 and I remember, uh, well, the quest, the story back then was always, who's the starting goalie going to be, you know, Halak was hurt then Elliot came back and then Halak was maybe going to be able to play. And it was, I remember every day that was the question. And then the same thing in 2015 with Jake Allen and, and Brian Elliott, you know, what, yeah. what's the, you know, who's going to be the starting goalie. And that was the question everybody asked me. And I remember there was times on Twitter, I'd be like, Hey, heading to blues practice, um, you know, cause should be good. And I would get 10 people right away. Ask them who the starting goalie is. I'm like, you don't think the other 15 reporters there are going to ask the same damn question. Like that's, that's the number one question Hitchcock gets. So of course. So yeah. Listen, some things never change though. Just remember that. Yeah. That's... Actually. Yeah. I do remember people saying Jake Allen should have gotten some starts during that time. So I'm sure you dealt with it in 2019 yeah. too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. But I'll tell you what though, you guys saw it once, uh, once Bennington just got on that roll, it was like, leave the guy in there let him go, let him go. Let's, you know, when you when you're in the basement, there's nowhere to go but up. And I mean, January third, that's where they were. And uh, once he kind of came in there and righted the ship, boy, that was that was something to see that ascension because that climb was rapid and uh, vaulted them all the way to what 99 points, I believe it was. And yep. you guys know the rest. It was it's history now. Yep, fantastic year, fun to watch, fun to cover here on this show as well. Some of our favorite shows are during that cup run. Uh, Bill, I know we had a couple post-game shows that were very thrilling. We uh, we were biting our nails in the third period, probably tossing back more than we should have. And then we're like, man, I got to do a post-game show. And I'm frantic as hell right now. So, yeah, I uh, <laughs> those were always – those were fun. But, man, there were times where I'm like, man, I'm either going to love doing the show or I'm going to hate it. 
<laughs> yeah, that's the great thing about podcasting, though, is that you know we don't have to report to anybody, and if we do get a little bit too drunk and out of hand, <laughs> you know, it's okay. Well, and that was, that was really before sponsors, so that's true. <laughs> that's a good point. We didn't have sponsors then; we do now, so we got to be a, yeah, a little more careful. Take all the don't you guys take all the, the questions of the wrath, especially after losses? Every everybody's. Everybody's bitter about every little thing that I'm sure you guys have heard. Oh yeah. Some off the yeah, wall I mean, topics, I'm sure. You get you get more, I know. I've seen it on Twitter, but yeah, like even the Terrazenko <laughs> talk. I mean, every single week it's you know, we get a we get a question in the comments like, Hey, what do you guys think about Terrasenko? And I'm like, We've talked about this for six weeks. You know, like do you really want to hear more from us? No other news has come out. <laughs> right it's yeah. like lou said it, it's the dead time of the season right yep if yeah. if we were bob mckenzie we'd be at our cottage up in lake country in ontario but yeah, no we're kidding. not lucky yep <laughs> here's my cottage right here you guys see it in my background it's my living room and uh i just got done painting this sucker a couple of weeks ago that that's that's my cottage how about that there you go <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm in my cottage right now in my basement Um, So I mentioned Tarasenko and how it's getting so old to be talking about it But I'm going to ask you anyway, Lou uh, What is your take on the Tarasenko situation right now? Oh, man Do we got enough time to to really delve (laughs) into this? Because, no, listen guys, I'll be honest with you Um, When this all first came to light Um I thought there was no chance in hell that he was going to be on this roster to start the season. I mean, I, I would have given a snowball's chance uh, a better a better option. I mean, really, it's I, I just did not see this happening whatsoever. And, and who knows? I mean, this this could change at the drop of a dime. I mean, that's that's literally literally where it's at. But more and more we get closer to training camp. The more and more it's looking like. Uh, he may start the season here, and um, you know you've seen what some of the teams that have uh, were mentioned as being interested parties: the Islanders, the Hurricanes. I've heard the Rangers were were sniffing around there. A uh, couple of others that might have been lurking in the water, but uh, decided to maybe back off. And but some of those main ones, you know, they've they've made moves. And uh, New Jersey Devils, that was another one, you know. They make their move at the time for uh, Thomas Tatar. Okay, that that kind of that kind of set them in motion as saying, okay, we're going to step aside. Now you saw the moves that the Islanders here recently made. And now they're up against the cap. Uh, you've got Carolina with the uh, with the offer sheet, which I don't know about you guys. I thought that was great. Their their uh, their PR staff. That was fantastic what they did with all that. I mean. Uh, I I couldn't stop laughing at some of that stuff, but uh, you Bill's know, Bill's a Canadiens fan, by the way. <laughs> well, you know what? I mean, I I thought well, they're uh, there. You go. Oh, the oh, so somebody's yeah. a little bitter, huh? I have feelings about that. Okay. Um, well, okay. That's, no, that's it's understandable. No, yeah. no, we, we did talk about the whole Twitter feud fiasco with Carolina. And I think Bill even agrees. Yeah. The switcheroo card, the signing bonus. Yeah. That was great stuff. Wonderful stuff. I just, Carolina. Yeah, I, 
I mean, that was, I mean, that's just, you know, that that's great stuff. You know, that you can have that kind of banter. I mean, it's, they try to make us, I mean, it's a pretty serious situation. You know, when you're signing someone to an offer sheet, the, you're talking about some pretty nasty and bitter things that are said behind closed doors. Trust me. I've, I've heard some of those, you know, you saw what happened with David Backus, boy, that was, that was uh, the one with Vancouver back in the day. That was, uh, that was something else. That's why you just don't see him very often, but I know I'm getting off track here, but with Tarasenko, I mean, he's in town, he's working out with the guys and, I've gone on a few different shows. Uh, the guys with uh, ESPN. I've talked to uh, I've talked to Bernie at uh, uh, Five Ninety, the fan, and uh, my my personal feeling on it, guys. And and this is talking from if I was a teammate's perspective. Um, I just don't like the fact that a lot of that stuff was aired publicly, and that's the, that that's where I come from on that. Uh, listen, he's been. He's probably got a valid claim with a lot of the things that have gone on because I've talked to a lot of athletic trainers, strength trainers that have told me personal stories about guys that rehab shoulder injuries, not just in hockey, but in different sports. I'll tell you what, it's a mother to come back from. They really are. Those things are those things can be as grueling as an injury you can to come back from and to have to do it twice. I can understand why he would be upset and bitter and angry that this wasn't corrected the first time. I completely comply and understand with him, but just from a professional standpoint and from being on the same page with your teammates, I think that's just me personally here. And I could, you know, you can agree with me and you may not agree with me. I just think that a lot of that stuff would have been better off staying behind closed doors because to me, it's just, if, if I'm his teammate and I'm talking about I want out of here, to me, that's telling me you don't want to be my teammate anymore. And, and, and it could be, you know, that could be furthest from the truth. But just the fact that it's coming out in that manner, I would just look at him and say, OK, you don't want to be my teammate. Get out of here. I don't want to see you in here again. That's just that's just my personal opinion on this. Um, and if if you have grievances and you want to air something out that you're angry or upset with management or with team doctors with the way something was handled, keep it behind closed doors and keep your teammates out of it. But then I look at it from the flip side. And if the blues accept him back into the locker room, I can, I can see where they would sit back and go, okay, maybe this is one of those situations where, yeah, it was aired publicly. Maybe it shouldn't have been aired publicly, but, um, if you want to be our teammate, if you're you're not necessarily upset with us, you're not necessarily saying you don't want to be our teammate anymore, then I can see them welcoming him back into the locker room. And that's my stance now because a couple of weeks ago when I was talking about this, I I swore up and down that there's not a chance in hell that they would accept him back into that locker room. But but what I'm seeing now that that's that's the professionalism you have from guys like O'Reilly, from Shen, from Falk, from Pareko, from Krug, and these guys that probably understand the situation a lot better than we do on the inside, being his teammate. So I don't know, fellas. I, I, the more and the closer this gets, and the more and more we get towards training camp, 91 could very easily put that blue sweater on again. And a month ago, there was not a chance in hell I saw that happening. 
Yeah, same with me. And we talked about this last week uh, that I think that, man, he uh, if he could bounce back and be the player that he was, uh, this is quickly forgotten. And I think, uh, you know, by fans, by media and uh, well, media, you know, Lou never lets anything go. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but no, exactly. the, the fans will quickly forget. I think even teammates uh, forget to a certain extent, you know, but right now it is this kind of elephant in the room and uh but yeah i think i think if he gets going and he's you know the same guy he was in the locker room with his teammates and and this is just you know me speaking i don't have any insider info i think like you said there's no there's no reason why they wouldn't just be happy to have him back and and forget what happened this summer but yeah with it being a public thing it definitely makes it uh something that the whole team is going to be thinking about going into training camp and then obviously you know, again, people are going to be asking those questions and you're going to be hearing it on the radio. You're going to be hearing it in interviews. And so it's going to be a constant reminder until at least the season gets going. But yeah, well, like you said, anything could change. I mean, we had a show a couple weeks ago. We were getting ready to close up and Rutherford said, uh, thinking about going to bed, don't go to bed because I've got a story coming out about Tarasenko in five minutes. And so we're like, damn it, we can't end the show now. We got to keep it going until he posts something. So you never know what yeah. could happen. <laughs> well, you know what, guys? When he – you kind of had a sense that something wasn't sitting right when he changed agents. He cha- when he cut Mike Liute loose, and listen, Mike Liute, uh, uh, you know, one of the more respected guys out there and has had Blues clients in the past. And uh, uh, he changed to Paul Theophanis. And oh, I apologize if I mispronounced his name there. Uh when he switched and and he's known for probably one of the more prominent guys is Artemi Panarin and that's his agent. And uh, when, when he switched to Panarin's agent, uh, you're thinking, hmm, you know, maybe something's, something's going on here because, you know, you know, Vladdy and, and Panarin are great friends and uh, you know, let's, let's make no bones about it. Back in the day when uh, Panarin was with the Blackhawks, uh, Vladdy tried to get the Blues to sign him here, and you know it, it didn't work out that way. So you're thinking, you know, something's got to be in the water here. Something's lurking here that's not sitting well. And then all of a sudden, this all just blew up uh, from uh, from an agent's perspective. And you know, I guess you know that's his job. If anybody's gonna if anybody's gonna air something publicly, typically, you know, a lot of times in those situations, it'll go through an agent. But uh, it just at the time, it's like I said before. It just, it just something like that just doesn't sit all that great with me from a teammate's perspective. And but this is Doug Armstrong's way of saying, I'm not going to trade you just to trade you. And if I can find a suitable partner and a suitable package that meet that can help the St. Louis Blues and meets our needs, then yes, I will accommodate you. But if not, I'll see you at training camp. And uh, you'll be a St. Louis Blue, and you're under contract, and uh, we'll uh, continue to uh, push forward here and trying to get this franchise back to where it was a couple of years ago. And you know what? Think about it, guys. If if fences can be mended, and again, I didn't think there was a chance in hell that that could happen, but if somehow fences could be mended here, think about this. You're adding another top six player already to two guys in Butchnevich and Brandon Saad that you were adding there. 
uh, all of a sudden now your top six is looking awfully loaded and maybe even overcrowded a little bit where you've got guys that could possibly play a top six role. Now they're playing in your top nine. Man, that gives you some great balance and uh, something that we all have to think about here because it could very well happen. So we've uh, we've got a couple comments we'll get to here. First of all, Cameron Smith in the Facebook chat says, uh, "Evening, gents. Hope all's well in St. Louis. Excited for the new season to start soon. We're with you, Cameron." Uh, and then uh, I want to get to this one here since we're talking about Tarasenko, and this will be the last question about Tarasenko. I promise. Uh, he says, uh, "Hey, fellas. First, this is Dustin Paul, by the way. He says, "Hey, fellas. First time caller here, which is absolute crap, Dustin." That is not true. Um, he says yes, three uh, when, weeks ago. Yeah, I was going to say we actually had him on the show. So don't don't you be sassing me there, Paul. Uh, he says uh, I would like to hear Lou's thoughts on Yana Tarasenko using the hashtag "Stay Away from the Media." I don't know if you saw that that Instagram post she made and and uh, had responded about staying in St. Louis. Uh, what are your what's your response to to seeing something like that? Um, I was made aware of it. Um, I hope I'm not on her bad side because she actually <laughs> follows me on Twitter. So, <laughs> so I, I don't think I've rubbed her the wrong way. And I'll be honest with you guys. I've kind of, uh, I haven't, I haven't delved too deeply into, you know, a lot of the, he said, she said stuff with this story. And you guys know, JR and I are buddies and He's been on top of that from the get-go, and good for him. I mean, uh, you know, he came up with a lot of the goods there, and uh, it, it's it's a pretty uh, – there's some pretty serious stuff that was going on there. You know, whenever you get into, you know, trade requests and stuff like that, uh, some things can be said and uh, that maybe shouldn't have been said, should have been said, how it was portrayed, how it was perceived. Uh, I don't know. I, I – I reserve judgment to think that uh, maybe that was just something in generic that maybe, I don't know, she saw that's been written about Vladdy that's kind of perceived him in a bad light out of all this. Uh, I don't think I've done anything in that regard. Uh, if I have, I apologize. Well, no, I don't necessarily think I should because I'm just doing a job, but I don't think I've delved into any anything in, in that regard. But uh and I really haven't seen anything out there from anybody else that's been that hasn't, you know, written or talked about, you know, the information that's been presented to us. So uh, I really don't know what she means by that. But, uh, you know, that that would probably be a better question to ask her. But, uh, you know, I've never interacted with her on a personal level before. And, uh, you know, I've seen her in passing you know, every now and then and just say hello, you know, when we're walking past the locker room or past the players' uh, wives' lounge and the family lounge and whatever have you not. I've, you know, just in passing said hello to her before. But, uh, yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting and, and myself wondered what she meant by it. But uh, I don't take any, I don't take any, you know, personal uh, attacks or whatever have you not, whatever you want to call it. I, I don't take it personally one bit. So uh, one of the questions that I had uh, for you was just kind of, you know, your thoughts on this year's roster compared to last year's opening roster. Uh, but I want to go ahead and act, ask it in the style of Darren Grice in the YouTube chat. He says, I'm not sure the Blues are going to be much better than last year. 
are they at least going to be more exciting to watch without, uh, well, he calls him Borzak, but we'll call him Bozak because that's his name, and uh, and Jaden Schwartz. So uh, your thoughts on uh, this this roster look compared to last season? Um, I think there's the potential to be better. Uh, but you have to have some things fall into place, obviously, for that to happen. Uh, for one, and I'll start from the back, you need Jordan Bennington to be Jordan Bennington. Okay, he's going into he's going into his contract now. This is the contract that uh, they signed him to, long-term, good financial terms, and uh, this is the contract uh, they gave him uh, to be the guy for the next six years. And, uh, you know, Obviously, helping bring them a Stanley Cup, he helped earn that. Uh, he got a bridge deal, and uh, you know, earned himself a big contract. I, I think he's gonna he's gonna have to be the backbone of this team. There's that that's just the way it is. Just like he was back in 2019. I mean, when they were in last place, who was their backbone? Jordan Bennington. He how he went, everybody else went. His play really resonated with everybody else. So I think if he give if he can get back to that top ten guy that. He has the potential of being. I think they're definitely going to be a better team. Uh, and when you start with the blue line, uh, you know, Tory Krug's going to get better. He had the – I always called it the Justin Falk syndrome last year where you guys saw what happened with Falk his first year. He had a tough time adjusting and played played fantastic for this team last year with what he was able to do. Um, I think Tory Krug will have a bounce-back year. And I think the biggest thing you see out of him was when he played in Boston, why he was so effective was – because he didn't have to play, you know, top pairing minutes. He was part of that, you know, that second tier of defensemen and and did it quite well. Well, here he was asked to be, a, you know, a top pairing defenseman quite a bit. And uh, I think once he gets adjusted to that and uh, once he continues to get acclimated with his with this system, I think he'll produce better. And for me, on the blue line, number the number one guy is Colton Pareko. If he's healthy – that just makes this blue line so much better. I mean, you guys could see it last year. He wasn't 100%, not even close uh, at both ends of the ice. I mean, you could watch this guy play, and, and he could he could skate out of a phone booth. I've always made that claim. And if, if, if he's anywhere near 100% healthy, which when we talked to him last week, he claims that he feels great and he's ready to go then that blue line is just going to be that much better. And, you know, I like the additions that they made with Brandon Saad. Uh, he's he's going to be your Jaden Schwartz replacement. Um, they're going to miss Schwartz, no doubt about it. I mean, the guy the guy's a workhorse. And, you know, I've, I've never seen anybody in the years that I've covered the Blues work as hard as that guy does, both ends of the ice, and uh, not just for himself but his teammates. But you've got a guy in Brandon Saad that brings a lot of those qualities that Jaden Schwartz has maybe a little bit more consistent scoring touch. And that was probably my biggest knack with, with Jaden Schwartz was he just had too many peaks and valleys when it came to offense. And I hate putting this on him because, again, guys, you guys realize he lost his dad, and uh, that, that, that was just really tough for him to deal with. And, uh, but you got to look at it from a business side. And, uh, you know, for them to justify giving him a raise for the numbers that he produced uh, – that was a tough one to get over and bringing in a guy like Butchnevich, I really like it because I watched quite a few of the Rangers game last year. And, and I really like what he can bring to the table. And to me, uh, I think his ceiling is still high because he's only as well as he played last year. I think he's just going to get better 
and he's just now reaching into those peak years, and I think the Blues are getting him at the right time. So if you can combine all that with what you're able to add to your top six and what you're able to add to your to your bottom bottom two forward lines, and you know you're hoping that you got a healthy Oscar Sundquist there with an Ivan Barbashev that can really anchor your fourth line. And if you have to push Sundquist up into a third line role, that option is also there. But I'll tell you guys this, and I am really shocked that nobody has gotten into what are, what are your lines on opening night? I am very intrigued by a potential trio of Robert Thomas between Jordan Cairo and Clem Costin. How does that one size up for you guys? That sounds pretty damn good. Uh <laughs> Reminiscent of the uh, the old kid line, right, Bill? The uh, was yeah. it Brian Sutter, Bernie Federko, and who was on the other side? Uh, drawing a blank on that one, but but yeah, I remember uh, hearing the stories about how good that kid line was, and then a couple of years ago we had the Oshi Berglund Perron line. So uh, yeah, that would be a lot of fun to see. Uh, I I think Thomas and, and Costin could really find some chemistry together. The way they play, I think there's a lot of chemistry to be had there. So it would be interesting to see if they can line up in training camp. And, uh, yeah, with Kairou on the right side, good Lord, the, the sky's the limit for that line. I'm giving Clem Costin every chance to make this roster this year, and not just to make the roster, but to be an impact player. And when I say that, I, you know, I give him the highest regard there to be able to play him with a Robert Thomas and a Jordan Cairo. I'm just very, if that's, and, and I'm not Craig Berube, you know, I'm not, the, I'm not part of what these guys are going to decide to do as a coaching staff, but I am very intrigued to see if that trio gets a chance because I, I, I think, I think they can do some things and do some really positive things for this team. If the coaching staff trusts them as a unit to be out there together. Yeah. And that's that's a great point. I I thought as last year went on, you really saw um, that Chief really started taking a liking uh, to Cairo, and Cairo started to almost outshine Thomas. Um, and you know, I I think that that trust factor was the big thing, and he started trusting him, started playing him. Let's. In my mind, you know, if he can get there with uh, with Costin early in this season, man, that is an exciting, very exciting prospect to have those three guys together. And the craziness is that would be probably what you're considered your third line. I mean, that's a yep. that's a dynamic yep. line right there. Yeah, there's one thing that you got, and you guys see it. The one thing, if you're going to play for Craig Berube, and we saw it with Mike Hoffman last year. You better have the ability to show that you're going to be a two-way player. And as much as I like having Mike Hoffman on this team, and I would have been more than happy to see the Blues re-sign him again because I think that he fit some pieces that they needed. Um, you saw what Craig Berube did when he didn't see the two-way game. And, some of these younger guys, you know, they'll find out pretty quickly that uh, Chief will let you know that, uh, you know, as much as you like to do on the offensive end, you better get yourself back behind the puck and be responsible uh, in the neutral zone and in the defensive end or your minutes are going to diminish and you even may find yourself uh, with a seat in the press box watching and learning what they want from you. 
Uh, Darren Grice says, uh, thought the kid line reference was Oshi Peron Berglund. That's the year that I started watching again after the lockout. Yeah. I, I think that was like that. What am I crazy in saying that that was a reference back to the old days of when Federico and Sutter yeah. first came up. Right. Yeah. And it was, I think it was Babbage was the, ba- the that's what I in. thought. Yeah. Wayne Wayne Babbage. Babbage. Yes. Yep. Um, so, uh, yeah, a couple, we got another question here, uh, Adam Gold, which uh, this was something that I was going to ingest ask you. He says, ask Lou about the Winter Classic jersey. Don't take no for an answer. Grill him, boys. Uh, Lou, <laughs> what is the Blues Winter Classic jersey? And according to Adam, we are not taking no for an answer. Tell us everything you know. I, I'll be honest with you guys. I, I, I wish I knew, but uh, this this one has been uh, top secret. You're gonna, I'm gonna find out when you guys do when they unveil it uh, before the Cardinals Reds game on Friday. But uh, I, the only thing that I can tell you is, is it, it's gonna. I think it's from what I've what I've heard, and again, this is never 100 percent confirmed that it's gonna have that. Uh, it's going to have that old style look from uh, the inaugural days of uh, when the when the franchise came in back in 1967-68, and you see that uh, you guys have seen that retro logo look. I if I would bet my money that that's what it's going to be. Yeah, I think we're all in the same boat. We've uh, uh, deep, and it's a great look. Those, oh, it's a great look. Yeah, for uh, for those that follow our Twitter account, that's by the way, that's typically Kurt that's tweeting from that. So uh, he was the one that was posting all about the, uh, the color scheme, how it fits the original logo and the original uh, Jersey. Yeah. But yeah, I, I'm, I agree. I think that uh, that's the way they're going to go. I, we've said a million times on this show, you know what, before I say this, Lou, you're a long time blues follower. Uh, what's your favorite Jersey in blues history? Ooh, um, well, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I've really, I've really liked, uh, you know, the third Jersey, I guess is considered the third Jersey, the ones that they had with, with the powder blues here recently. I, I've, I've been fascinated by that one. And, and, and that's, and that's the look of, uh, the original sweater with the, with the retro logo, uh, that we haven't seen in the white. I mean, that that's probably that's probably my favorite to be honest with you. I've uh, and the one the one that they wore in the Winter Classic back in 2017. I mean that's I've heard from so many national people that up until then, and I you know I don't know what the varying opinion has been since then that that may have been the best looking Winter Classic sweater that uh, the NHL has produced or any team has produced up until then. And uh, that's probably my favorite look, to be honest with you. And if, if they're able to turn that into uh, the, uh, the away white Jersey that they're going to wear against the Minnesota wild, uh, I'm all for that. Yeah. I I remember seeing uh, something bill that, and I know we talked about it on the show. There was something that came out. I think it was on NHL on NBC sports or whatever the Twitter account was. It said, what's the best looking uh, winter classic Jersey. And they posted like 10 of them. But they didn't post the blues one. And I saw people from all over, I mean, Sweden, Canada, uh, everywhere saying, where's the blues one? That was the best one. And it was just, you know, not just blues fans saying it. So, yeah, that is that is a classic look. And and I'll add that the uh, the heritage, not the heritage, the um, alumni game, they, they wore the whites for that. 
I love yeah. that jersey yeah. too. I thought that was beautiful. I'd be all for that one being this year's Winter Classic jersey. I really would. Yeah. Um, but I think there's there's going to be some subtle changes to it. I, I would imagine. Yeah, we we've said on this show that that we want to see the early '90s jerseys, the the Brett Hall era jerseys that see see those in some iteration for the uh, the Winter Classic. The one that just kind of had the uh, the red striping, but not the actual terrible clown looking diagonal lines. Um, yeah, those those are beautiful too. So. Yeah, but but I'm I'm all for the original design. I think that's a beautiful look, and and you know obviously goes with what we've seen from other teams putting out for the Winter Classic. Yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say, I was just gonna say that um, they they could actually roll out um, just a practice jersey and win this year's design competition with the Wild. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, what, what, do you, what do you what think? Minnesota's what do you think of those wild on. jerseys? Um, me? Yeah, yeah. What do you think? Um, the ones that they wore last year, I, the, those things actually grew on me. To be be honest with you, I know there's, I know there's been varying opinions on that one. You, you either, I don't think there was anything in between. You either loved it or you hated it. And I don't know. I I thought the the blue ones that they wore, uh, I. I thought they they were different. They 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 had a good look to me. Uh, I know a couple of the guys up in the box uh, didn't care for them, but uh, that's just it. I mean, I saw so many different opinions from a fan's perspective that that absolutely loved them, and then there's other ones that were like, "I just want to throw up on those things." So I don't know. I, I didn't ha- I didn't have a problem with them, but uh, you know, that's just me, I guess. <laughs> Um, so obviously things can change. You know, we mentioned it with the blues that, you know, there can still be roster shakeups before the season goes, but looking at it right now, uh, maybe let's, let's put Colorado aside. Uh, who do you see being the blues uh, toughest competition in the central division this year? Um, probably the Winnipeg jets. Uh, I think that, you guys saw their, their roster hasn't changed a ton. It's changed. Uh, I should, I take that back. Their roster hasn't changed a ton as far as their forward lines. And obviously their goaltending is concerned from, uh, you guys remember that playoff series back in 2019. I'll tell you what, that thing was, that thing was hard. That's why for the blues to win the cup that year, just to be able to get through that first round and the way those two teams were beating each other up, uh, that, that was, I almost had a sense that whoever came out of that playoff series, once it was all said and done, was going to have a good chance to win it all. And obviously it played out that way, but you know, when you talk about the skill that they have up front and the great goaltending they have, yeah, they've changed on their blue line, but, you know, they, they, they had a fantastic year last year, and then they just bottomed out in the playoffs for whatever reason. I have no idea why, but um, I think I think the Winnipeg Jets will probably be their stiffest competition. Um, the Minnesota Wild can be, but I'm not, I'm not completely sold on what they were able to do last year, that they're going to be able to duplicate that, because although they've made some pretty good veteran additions to their team and they've, they've changed out, quite a bit of the look of, uh, you know, getting, uh, cutting loose Zach Parisi and Ryan Suter. You know, you're talking about mainstays that 
guys that sign contracts together, you know, that that's turning a whole different chapter, uh, you know, and we don't know what, uh, what's going to happen uh, with, uh, with their, uh, with their Russian rocket that they have up there with uh, Kaprizov. Uh, that, that'll be an interesting situation, how that plays out. But uh, the one wild card that I can see in all this is the Dallas stars. I think they have, I was I was a little surprised that they took the step back that they did last year, but you know you're missing Tyler Sagan basically. For, you know you're missing him for the whole year. That's that's a big piece to what you have there. And uh, I think once they get their, I think it's starting to play out that their goaltending situation is uh, starting to play itself out here. That uh, they 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 could pose some problems because of the depth that they have, not just up front but on their blue line as well. So. Those would probably be the – if I had to rank them one, two, and three, I would probably say Winnipeg, Dallas, and maybe Minnesota. I'm not a sold on uh, Chicago quite just yet, but I think the Blackhawks are going to start trending upwards here because uh, they could surprise some people with, you know, adding Marc-Andre Fleury and, you know, committing the big contract to a Seth Jones. Those are some big pieces that they've added. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think they want to jump back into this uh, pretty quickly here, but uh, – I don't know if they can quite get there yet, and uh, I'm, I'm not sold on Nashville and, and Arizona yet either. I mean, Bill, Bill Armstrong, you know, great guy to deal with here in St. Louis when he was uh, under Doug Armstrong, but I think he's got a pretty big building block there uh, that he's going to have to deal with. Uh, Darren, Darren in the YouTube chat says, really glad to see the Blues back in the Central. Didn't see any news about it but yeah that is that is the case uh we are back to our normal division so canada u.s border has uh figured all their problems out so it should be a little better this year um lou i want to thank you very much for coming on uh again i i told you before the show you are more than welcome to hang out for the rest of the show as we talk about the winter classic jersey the traverse city roster and then a couple things going around the nhl as well but, uh, you know, again, we're going to take our break here, but I want to go ahead and before we do that, let people know how they can find you on social media, where they can find your work. We already mentioned it, but let's hear from the man himself. Hey, you've taken care of it all right there, man. I love it. Uh, you've <laughs> added the Twitter account. That's basically my only my only social media account, guys. Um, I don't know if you, you can classify me in the Stone Age. I don't I do not do Facebook. I don't do Instagram. I don't do all this stuff. I, I just don't have the time for all that. Uh, when you're covering a hockey team pretty much nine months out of the year, it's kind of difficult to do that. But I appreciate the, uh, the Twitter plug there at Elcorac10 and uh, appreciate uh, Elcorac10 at blogspot.com. That's where I usually – I kind of started that on my own just to kind of uh, – add some more in-depth stuff because, you know, when you're writing for uh, the league website and NHL.com, you, what a lot of people don't understand is, is, uh, you know, you're dealing with 31 teams there and now 32 teams. So information's got to come in and out about everybody in the league. So this is just the opportunity for uh, if anybody wants, you know, locally and that follows the blues, just want to know a little bit more in-depth stuff about the team here. That's where I usually post that information at Elcorac10 at blogspot.com. And appreciate you putting that on there for me, guys. Yeah, of course. And and um, I'll say you know, I'll hang out. If you guys want me to hang out, I'll be more than happy to hang out with you guys. Awesome. Yeah, let's do it. That sounds great. All right. Um, you'll be Kurt. You'll, we'll start introducing you as Kurt for the rest of the show. <laughs> um, but no, I, I, I think I'll go ahead and speak for I know we've talked about it, the three of us off air, and then I've talked to other fans. 
your Blogspot site, it's so awesome to see because you're clearly not getting money from that. That's just nope. you wanting to put more content out, and that's what Blues fans want. So whenever we see people giving you any kind of trouble on Twitter, we're like, dude, this guy is putting so much more work out there. He doesn't need to, so back the fuck off. Like that's and that's what we love about you, man. We love seeing the the passion that you have for writing about hockey, and that's that's again that's what Blues fans want. I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean it's you know everybody kind of deserves to have uh, all the information at their disposal there, and I know I'm not the only one. You know, there's there's a lot of others out there that cover the team that you know you can follow along, and uh, it's just kind of my way of uh, whatever I have. It's I kind of I kind of sit back and go, well, I I can't put all, I can't compile all this stuff together whenever I'm doing, you know, the stories that I do for dot com. So might as well get it out there instead of just save it all here and bottled up. So there's too many diehards out there that want to know all the ins and outs and the nuances of what's going on. So we give them that option and uh, more than happy to do it. That's that's great to hear. Well, we're going to, as Lou said, he's going to be hanging out for the rest of the show. So we're going to take a quick break and we will get back to talking about today in blues history and everything else. But first, let's uh, let's hear from our friends over at rockinthatidlife.com. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Put that energy drink down. Don't you know that common energy drinks contain high levels of caffeine and other harmful ingredients that can lead to increased blood pressure and heart rhythm disturbances? Finding that energy you need for everyday activities doesn't need to put your health at risk. ID Life's energy formula doesn't use artificial ingredients or a massive dose of caffeine. Energy's caffeine levels are released slowly over time, allowing for longer periods of energy without crash, not to mention keeping your heart safe. Energy also includes neurotransmitters for mood, focus, memory, and cognitive function. ID Life also added antioxidants associated with brain health for no reason besides perfection. With rockinthatidlife.com, you can get an energy boost and leave the heart risk behind. Text Dustin at 636-393-8745 or visit rockinthatidlife.com and throw those gas station energy drinks in the garbage. That's 636-393-8745 and rockinthatidlife.com and tell Dustin that Let's Go Blues Radio sent you. Well, as I said, we're going to open the second segment of the show with some Today in Blues History, courtesy of the at STL Blues History account, and that is for uh, September 8th, uh, night, uh, 2021. I almost said 1921. Good Lord. Um, <laughs> September 8th, 1980, uh, Lynn Patrick, and then in 1982, Emil Francis, uh, two former St. Louis Blues vice presidents, head coaches, and GMs, were inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame. So again, that was uh, Lynn Patrick in 1980 and Emil Francis in 1982. And then again, in uh, on September 8th, 2007, uh, St. Louis born and bred Mike McKenna makes 41 saves and recorded a shutout for the St. Louis Blues in the Traverse City Tournament. And uh, I saw Mike responded to uh, STL Blues history. Uh, by the way, friend of the show, Mike McKenna, um, said uh, he said that that basically put him on the map, that he doesn't think that he gets a, an NHL or AHL contract without that game, that he was highly scouted after that. So uh, good for good for Mike McKenna to have a big day and obviously uh, put him put his name on the map for NHL teams to watch out for. <laughs> 
so big news from uh the blues recently uh and we already kind of talked about it a little bit here with Lou, but uh, they're going to reveal the Winter Classic jersey Friday at Bush Stadium. Braden Shin and what they said as other Blues players will be on hand at Bush just before the Cardinals play the Reds at 7.15 p.m. Uh, the jersey will be available over at stlauthentics.com and the Blues team store over at uh, Enterprise Center beginning Saturday at 10 a.m. Uh, we'll get into the wild jerseys here in a bit and get our thoughts, but... Um, Pretty, uh, you know. So, so again, we've already again we've already mentioned this, but uh, uh, Bill, especially you, being a Jersey nut like me, uh, are you excited to see this reveal on Friday? Absolutely. I uh, was just thinking at the beginning of the show that uh, is uh, as long as it isn't a practice jersey uh, that they roll out, um, I, I think I'm going to have to get a David Perron sweater now that uh, you know. I, well. Tarasenko looks like he may be sticking around. I still have one of his, and I have a Pareko. But uh, I'm getting thin on jerseys of players currently with the teams. So I think you're safe with number 55 now for the next nine years. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say I, I got a uh, Pareko of the last Winter Classic, and I'm think I was trying to think of you know if I, I well I'm going to get one because again I'm a jersey nut but. Uh, you know, like I just got the Cardinals Saturday jersey for the first time and decided just to not get a name on it. Anyone who's a Cardinals fan probably knows why. You don't know who's going to be sticking around for the next couple of years after the terrible seasons we've seen. But uh, with the Winter Classic jersey, I'm like, I want to get it. I know I'm going to want to get it. So who am I going to get? And like Lou just said, I thought, I've already got a Pareko Winter Classic, but I might just have to make that a, a, a duel because – He's going to be here a while. <laughs> well, you got so, Corey Krug, uh, Justin Falk. They're going to be hanging around for a while, too. So I was going to say, this defense is pretty set for the next little while. So we'll see. Yeah. Uh, I might just get the jersey and then wait on getting a name because, you know, maybe Scott Perunovich comes in and scores 200 points in his first season. You never know. <laughs> uh, so we already mentioned the Wild reveal their jerseys. Uh, it was designed to celebrate the state's rich hockey pedigree, the rivalry of the Twin Cities, and its legacy as the state of hockey. Uh, elements from – I'm not going to read all this. Don't worry, Bill. I know you're looking at the same thing as me. Elements <laughs> from the famed Minneapolis and St. Paul hockey squads were combined into one uniform. The base jersey design unites the St. Paul Saints look from the 1930s with the traditional Minnesota Wild color palette. The lettering, numbers, and other design elements in the jersey all come from those early hockey clubs that helped make Minnesota the, quote, state of hockey. Uh, so this is uh, – a lot of people thought they were going to go North Stars. And I actually saw a lot of Minnesota people excited that they didn't go with the North Stars. They, they thought that was played out maybe with last year's Retro Reverse, which I loved those jerseys as well. Um, but I don't know. I – I'm not – I did not like the style at all. And I've seen some people say they like the way it looks. They they think it's cool. They went back to, you know, a 1930s type look. But I just don't think it looks good on today's jersey. And I, uh, I'm i not a fan. I'm going to – I'm going to give this a – I'm going to give it a thumbs down. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you on that. Um, you know, the, the overall – like the main color palette – it, you know, we're used to that with the wild, right? It, it's, you know, 
Christmas tree-ish, but we're used okay. to it. Um, when you start bringing in, you know, trying to bring back the, the you know, un, untinted leather look, the, the tan, you know, not even saddle brown leather um, to, to tr- give it that retro feel, not a big fan of that. And uh, I don't know if you caught this, but uh, from the photo shoot uh, the other day, um, somebody had a picture of Spurgeon from the back. There are elbow patches on this jersey. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, what is the point of that? Why? Yeah. Why? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not a fan of I think, and I get the whole encompassing Minneapolis and St. Paul, which, which I appreciate. I, I know that's a big part of, of Minnesota hockey. But the the MLPS at the top, and then spelling out St. Paul and the and the logo, and then that weird red and, and off color white stripe at the top, just not a fan. I just there's too much going on. You got to go simple, and I think hopefully that's what the Blues are going to be doing, which they're going to way outclass the Wild. I think depending on you know what we think they're going to put out. I didn't mind the, I don't know, I. I guess everybody can have their own opinion. I didn't mind the, you know, the, the green color with the, with the red in the shoulders, but it, as I looked at the rest of it, it almost kind of looked like a Christmas sweater to me. Uh, and that's, <laughs> yes. uh, it, it just, it, it, there, there's just too much to it. And I haven't talked to uh, my colleague yet up in uh, that covers the wild Jesse Pierce. I'm going to have a chance to talk with her at some point, uh, before uh, we get into all the winter classic coverage as we get closer to the game. But uh, I'm sure she's going to give me an earful when I tell her it looks like a Christmas sweater. But uh, then again, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it, when I look at the overall complexity of it, there's just a little too much there for me. And yeah, I'm, I'm with you guys. I think the blues just need to keep this as simple as can be, but, you know, give it a good look, but don't, don't get don't try to put too much into it if that makes in if that makes any sense at all but and i just got i just got the sense when i saw the the wilds there, there, there's just too much there uh just you know keep it simple stupid right you know yeah. you can make it look good without getting too without going in all these different directions of let's put a stripe here and let's 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 put lettering here and a logo here and more lettering here and then different cult it yeah just just keep it simple that's that was kind of my whole take with the whole thing. But, you know, as, as far as the dominant color being green, I didn't mind that one at all. But, yeah, just kind of kind of keep it simple. It would have been much better for them. So. Yeah, I, I look at that jersey and I say, you know, if they had just – if it was just the stripes on the arms, the red at the top, and then that – I like that green color too. I actually agree with you. Um, but you, you remove that top stripe across the chest yeah, sure. and you use a different logo – I think it's a beautiful jersey, but I just think that that what's going on there in the middle just ruins everything. There's just too yeah. much, too much going on. Uh, let's yeah, see. That, that top oh, stripe, ahead. I think, is is what really puts it over the top for the the Christmas sweater. Or, I don't know, maybe even a Freddy Krueger sweater. It's yeah. pretty <laughs> pretty horrendous. <laughs> Yeah, you know, maybe if they announce that the uh, the Winter Classic is being moved to Christmas Day, maybe I like it a little more. But uh, definitely not for New Year's Day. It just doesn't work. 
Uh, Cameron Smith in the Facebook chat says a lot of people in Minnesota thought last year's wild reverse retro looked like a wearable subway commercial. Uh, I think we even called it the subway Jersey here on the show, but I, I, you know what it did. It totally did, but I still love the look. I thought it was beautiful. Uh, great look on the ice too. And I think that's, I mentioned the, uh, the Minnesota, uh, I'm sorry, the Winnipeg jets, uh, a couple of years ago, I had those baby blue jerseys that came out with jets written in cursive. And I remember yeah. when they released it, I thought, that jersey sucks. It's terrible. But then I saw it on the ice, and I thought it looked great. Um, I don't see myself doing the same thing with this wild jersey. I think I'm going to see it, and I'm going to say, yeah, that's still as ugly as I thought it would, especially like Bill said with those damn elbow patches. What the hell is that about? I guess I didn't even notice that 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 kind of adds to all the there's just too much there. So if 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 I'm seeing all the different color schemes that and I'm going that's just too much. Well, I didn't even I didn't even bother to look at the elbow pad. So if 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 that's there that 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 it, that just puts it even more over the top for me. Then yeah, they're like a tan color, right, Bill? No. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the the same tan that uh, is the the gloves, the gloves. that Spurgeon's yeah. got on. Ugh, terrible. Ugh, just terrible. So we mentioned yeah, already the pants. The pants. Oh, they're I actually didn't going see with, the pants. I got to see the pants. Yeah, the pants. Look. They're. I think at least the front of the pants are are that same tan. Like that, that's, that's where you've gone too far with, with the forcing that, you know, that retro old school leather look that it's just doesn't work. I, you know, I love that color. I really do. And I think it works well in a Jersey if you do it well, but yeah, I agree. Oh, okay. I'm seeing the pants now. Yeah. Uh, again, you're right. I mean, I don't know what color you go with with that jersey because, like we've said, there's too much going on. But, yeah, that that tan color, that just does not work with everything else that's going on with that uniform. Not a fan. Oof. So, as we mentioned, uh, the Blues announced their Traverse City prospect roster. Uh, the tournament takes place uh, September 17th through the 20th. Highlights from the roster uh, actually include a blue from last season, who somebody I think we'll see a lot of this year, Dakota Joshua, uh, somebody we mentioned that uh, I think we'll be talking about a lot on this show, Scott Perunovich, and then uh, the last two first-round picks for the Blues, Jake Neighbors and Zach Bullduke, all uh, highlight the roster. Round-robin schedule was released as well, so the Blues on the 17th will play at 2 p.m. versus Toronto, the 18th at 6 p.m. versus Detroit, and then the 20th, so there's a day off there, at 11 a.m. versus Dallas. Um, I have no word on if it's going to be televised, but, Lou, I don't know if you have any insider info. Have you heard anything about them being able to broadcast any of these games? They usually do, but I haven't seen anything. I know that it's been available on, and I say this uh, biting my tongue here because I know people have had issues with it in the past. I know believe the Fox Sports Go app has always been able to televise that. And I don't know if uh, the Detroit Red Wings, if that's in somehow conjunction with the Detroit Red Wings and, and what they have set up or not. But uh, 
they they've usually been able to stream it and i know the blues website has been able to stream it in the past which has made it a lot easier so uh i haven't seen any information on that yet but i would assume that the blues are going to be streaming it on through their website like they have been in the past but uh you know once that uh info becomes more readily available i'll be sure to uh tweet that stuff out because a lot of people that uh, have an interest in that, and uh, they have in the past, so that's why the Blues decided uh, maybe this is something that uh, we should provide to everybody. Yeah, I mean, hockey in September, you know, that's that's what we want. Right. Um, I remember when they first started going to this this tournament years ago, and there was no televising at all, like not even Detroit, nothing. Yeah. And I thought, just give us the scoreboard feed. That's what – I mean, all of us would be happy with that. Give us something. Right. Uh, we don't even need announcers. Trying, yeah, it was heck just trying to find, you know, the the live scoring updates for this thing. And I forget which, where it was. I was finally able to uh, find a website. I don't know if it's from the actual arena itself or some something, in, again, in conjunction with what the Red Wings did where they were posting, you know, Traverse City prospects results and whatnot. And that was pretty much the only way I was able to – follow what was going on is when they had just line score updates and whatnot but uh it's become much better here and been, we've been able to watch it and uh fans seem to take uh quite a liking and quite an interest to it so like i said i, I wouldn't be surprised if the blues uh provided those games uh and stream them on their website once again well um i'll just put it like this and and this is kind of a new announcement we are working on um possibly streaming the ponder cup char- charity tournament that we run every year in November. Uh, if we can do it, Traverse City can do it. That's the way I see it. <laughs> um, as far as the roster goes, uh, you know, I mentioned some of the standouts there, but um, I'm actually interested in goal with uh, Joel Hofer is a guy that uh, has gotten a lot of notoriety the past couple of years. And then I've been hearing from people I know, I'll just say that work with close to the organization that, Colton Ellis has kind of fallen out of favor a bit. So uh, he's on this roster. So it'll be interesting to see how he does in in the spotlight. And then I'll add on defense. Uh, Somebody who I'm excited about, a seventh-round pick for the Blues, Tyler Tucker, a guy who's really stepped his game up and we've talked about on this show. We've had um, experts who's watched him play come on and say, this kid's not a seventh-round pick. At the worst, he's a third- or a fourth-round pick. So a guy who might be seeing time with the Blues in the near future, but uh, definitely some standout players for me. Uh, how about you guys? Is there anybody that you're looking at on that roster that you're excited to see? Um, well, certainly, you know, the the top-end guys, the top-end offensive guys, you know, Alexandrov and, and well, the, Bolduc just signed recently, um, first professional contract. We want to see what we've got there. Um, Torpchenko, um, you know, want to see what uh, what they can do in this kind of you know th- this tournament. Uh, it's, it, it seems to, you know, in years past when I've tried to tune in, um, trying to keep up with like where they are. You, you, you know, the first period can go one way, and the second period goes in a completely different direction and if you tune out you're like i thought we had this one in the bag and you know we're we're not even uh we're not even in the top half of the group um i don't know it's 
getting getting a chance to to see um, what they have and, and playing against some of their peers, um, you know, it, it's uh, it, it's definitely it, it's if I can check it out, I'm going to do it. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm still you know it's that first taste, still really holding out to see what uh, what training camp proper is going to bring. Yeah. Alexandrov is one that really kind of jumps out at me because out of all these forwards that they drafted high uh, on the high end here in the last couple of years, he's obviously going to be the one that's going to start knocking on the door first and let some of these guys just, you know, like Bolduc or even uh, Jake Neighbors. I mean, unless these guys just start knocking the socks off of, uh, you know, the organization and uh, the, the scouting staff and, uh, just really start making a name for themselves. He's probably the one that's going to be knocking on the door soon, kind of like, you know, Robert Thomas or, or Jordan Cairo did uh, in to get themselves, you know, firmly entrenched here now. So, but it's funny that you guys mentioned Colton Ellis because um, I'll tell you what, his, his last full year, he was fantastic or, you know, in the O and uh, you know, I would have thought that, you know, he was going to, push Joel Hofer here for, you know, organizational depth. I mean, but it's great that, you know, if you got two guys there on the, on the cor- correct trajectory and, and going in, in the right direction, that's going to be great to have, you know, a couple of young guys like that, that, you know, are going to be able to push each other, you know, up the ladder, you know, whoever gets there first, that that's probably the, the, the million dollar question here, but because, you know, we don't, we know Jordan Bennington's going to be here for a while, but, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with Lee Huso. So, I mean, he's going into the last year of his contract here, and, uh, you know, he's going to be a UFA after that, and uh, this is going to be kind of a prove-it year for him. So it might just slowly open the door for one of these guys to maybe make a pretty quick jump uh, on a path to the NHL. And I, and I say that for a guy like Joel Holfer more than anything because – he worked with the organization quite a bit last year and it sucks for a lot of these prospects because, you know, they didn't get a full year last year, you know, to play, you know, they were just basically here, you know, skating with the big boys, which, you know, you can, you can obviously learn a lot by doing that, but to actually, to actually play games, that's, that's what it's all about. That that's where you get the true character and the true understanding of, uh, of what a prospect is all about. Just, just get them reps Get them prepared as much as you can. So, uh, you know, Perunovic is another guy I'm interested in because of uh, the fact that, you know, he had the injury last year and didn't give him an opportunity. So, um, you know, that's going to provide some more organizational depth on that left side because, you know, with losing Carl Gunnarsson to retirement, Vince Dunn is gone now. That's going to open up some doors over there on that left side. and. You know, we've seen Jake Wallman and Mikola now kind of step into prominent roles on that left side. But you might have a guy like, the, you know, like a Perunovic that, you know, could easily be knocking on the door here. And, a, and a t- you already mentioned him, Jeff Tyler Tucker. I mean, they played him, you know, when they were scrimmaging and doing things last year with the team and had him up here. He got a lot of reps as, uh, as an extra forward. So uh, a, a multidimensional kind of a guy, but, you know, we all know that his true position is playing on that blue line. And I'd, li- I'd like to see how well he's going to be able to develop there. 
So uh, a couple comments in the YouTube chat. Ben H301, who I think is a new live listener, uh, he says, uh, I think the Blues jerseys are going to be better than the Wilds no matter what. The Wild jerseys look whack. Uh, the Blues never seem to make that bad of jerseys. Uh, I will agree about 90% because, again, I hate the clown jerseys. And I think, uh, I know, Bill, you agree. Lou, your thoughts on the Blues clown jerseys? <laughs> well, we've. If you like them, you know, it's okay. Yeah, yeah they're, I mean, they're not bad. I mean, they've, like I you know, I think we touched on them earlier. They, they, they've kind of grown on me that just. You know, you either love them or you hate them, and uh, I know I know a lot of people out there that that just don't like them. But whenever you whenever you see them, you know, whenever they wear them on a regular basis, uh, they all they all just kind of blend in together. I've seen so many jerseys and so many different styles covering the team over the years. Uh, I I don't know if I don't know if I've actually seen a bad one, and I may get crucified for this one, but that mid '80s one is the one that I'm really not a fan of with the with the smaller logo on, yeah, yeah, that one. I've, I've never, I've just never been, I've just never been much of a fan of that one. That that one, if you want to call something plain as far as uh, blues jerseys and logos in history, that one probably stands out to me more than anything. That one's pretty bad. I'll agree with you on that, hundred percent. I know Bill agrees too. We've talked about that on the show. It's uh, was that the one Harry Ornest's wife uh, created? Yeah. Yeah. She, she gets credit for it. And it was, it, I, I think that if it wasn't the Jersey that was worn in um, the, the Monday night miracle game, that like mm-hmm. that game is what makes that Jersey lovable. Apart from that, the, the Jersey quality, I mean, it like it was visible mesh for an NHL, you know, professional <laughs> hockey team Jersey. It was, it was, pretty garbage um but but yeah because of my my argument is because of the money net miracle um it it is it it can be a loved jersey uh i agree ben ben adds in the uh in the youtube chat uh will we see perunovic in the lineup this season that's clearly a question for lou but i'm just going to go ahead and add real quick yes (laughs) i think he's ready um, I don't think so unless there's an injury back there because I just think that they want him again. They want him. He basically missed a whole year last year, guys. I think that he just has to play hockey games. And where I, I, I see him going to Springfield and playing in the AHL this year and being a mainstay and an anchor there. I think that's a good stepping stone for him. If he can compete at that level, then that may elevate his push to the NHL. But I think they're pretty set. Again, I reserve the right on this because anything can change. If, if, they, if they decide that uh, to alter the landscape of, of the seven guys that they have back there now, and, and, and let me throw in a bone to you guys here. I mean, you know, I know he's only here on a on a two way contract, but uh, as far as organizational depth is concerned, they really like what Steven Santini brought to him last year. So you got to throw his name in there. I, I just think that there's too many guys ahead of him right now at this point that are going to get the minutes up here, and I think they just would rather have him someplace playing hockey games 
rather than just sitting here and watching. But he's close. Let me let me change my answer a bit. Like let me let me refine it. I guess is the right way I'll say it. I think we'll see him in the lineup this season. I don't think he'll be on the opening roster. I think we could see him as a call up at some point. Give him some a game or That's two awesome. in the NHL. See you know let him see what the landscape's like, the lifestyles like, and then go back down to Springfield. So I I agree with you for the most part. I think especially to start the year. He's going to be a number one, number two defenseman in Springfield. Let him get the minutes in. For sure. So, uh, well, oh, you know what? We have our comment of the show. Congratulations to Adam in the Facebook chat. You win nothing except my admiration. Uh, He says, Huso has a shutout streak heading into the season, right? That is true. He does. He does. He does. (laughs) Over 60 minutes. That's all I know. I don't know what the exact number is, but just over 60 minutes. So congratulations to him. Away. The only shutout of uh, for the team last year came from him. That's, that's just that's just mind-boggling to me. Came from him, and, and not only just came from him, came from him in the last game of the season. We were waiting mm-hmm. all year. We, we kept saying on this show, like, not that shutouts are that important if you're scoring goals, but it's like this team's got to get a shutout, right? Like, eventually, they have to blank a team. And then it came down to game 56, and we're like, well, I guess it's not going to happen this year. There's Billy Huso saving the day. If I'm not mistaken, until that happened, they were going to go down with the Buffalo Sabres as the only teams that did not have a shutout last year, if you can believe that. Man. (laughs) The Buffalo Sabres. What a shock. (laughs) <laughs> they didn't have a shutout last year. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and not company you want to be in with no. last year. <laughs> no. Yeah, record holders for last year. That is not company you want to join. <laughs> and now they don't have their number one goalie anymore. Lena Solmark has uh, departed off to Boston, if I'm not – Boston, I believe, right? Yep. Yep. That's yeah, – that'll be an interesting it, thing to watch, how, how the goaltending develops there in Buffalo. Yeah, they might call up the Buttes to play in the NHL before the season's over. There you go. Carly Jackson, was that her name that we, we learned about last week? The starting goalie for uh, yeah. Buffalo Buttes? Yeah, maybe yep. she'll get a game in. Um, Bill, go try out. Why not? You're a, you're a seasoned goalie. <laughs> <laughs> seasoned goalie with 10-plus years of rust on him? Sure. <laughs> Uh, so real quick, fellas, we are going to take another quick break and hear from our friends over at Center Ice Brewery. And when we come back, you'll hear about what's going around, going on around the hockey world. Center Ice Brewery is St. Louis's only hockey-themed brew house. Stop on in during the next game to experience the ultimate hockey fan brewery while sampling various hockey-inspired beers, such as Old Arena Lager, the Beauty IPA, the Rotating Pale Ale Series, or seasonal offerings such as their Imperial Stout their lime sherbet sour, and much more. While you're there enjoying any number of their fantastic beverages, you can admire the bar top and tables made of authentic arena wood and the actual penalty box door from the old barn. Located at 3126 Olive Street in Midtown St. Louis, it's one of the best places to watch a blues game, or any game. Visit centereyesbrewery.com today to schedule a no-contact curbside pickup or make a reservation in the tap room. Center Ice Brewery, let's go blues. Please drink responsibly. Lou, I have to ask: Have you uh, have you ever been to Center Ice Brewery? 
I have not, unfortunately. Oh, man. Okay, well, we're going to make you come out with us sometime. We'll catch up, I don't know, a Blues away game or maybe a night they're not playing. And, yeah, it's it's a great time. A lot of great – I know you're a beer guy, so you'll enjoy it. It's a good time. Okay. I hope Adam's Thank listening. Adam, Adam, the bartender, uh, is a listener of the show. So, Adam, we will uh, we'll make sure Lou comes out there and tries some of your signature drinks uh, because they they brew their own there, and it's always good stuff. Nice. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, this might be the first time in a while neither of us have uh, have repped them uh, with a beer in the show. Do you have one? Well, I, you got one? I've got their glass. You got, you I got, got the, the glass. glass. That's yeah, good but I t- I actually, I, I think I said last week, I'm going to head out there and because they got like Kirk mentioned in the uh, commercial there, no contact curbside pickup, which I don't care about that. I just walk in and say, give me beer. And they, you know, hand me whatever beers I want and I walk out. But anyway, they, uh, yeah, they do. They do all that too. They let you, you know, they, they give you a six pack, 12 pack, whatever you want, whatever you want. And um, yeah, I, uh, I said I was going to go in last week and I never did. Um, I'm a bad patron of Center Ice Brewery. I need to make my way out there soon. Again, they're in Midtown, right next to Pappy's. For anybody who's never been out there, great spot to uh, to catch even a Cardinals game right now. And uh, I'll have to talk to Steve, see if uh, or Adam, see if they'll have maybe the Traverse City game streaming on there. Because if they do, maybe we should uh, plan a night out. That'd be a lot of fun. So, uh, rapid fire hockey tidbits. What's going on around the world of hockey? Uh, we mentioned it a little earlier. So, Bill, gonna definitely want your take here. Montreal Canadiens did not match the Hurricanes' one-year, $6.1 million offer sheet to Jesperi Kotkiniemi, or as uh, he's called by, uh, why am I forgetting his name? The guy on um, Hockey Night in Canada. What? what uh, uh, Coach? Don Cherry? Don Cherry. Thank you. My goodness, what is wrong with me? As he calls him, uh. Packer Yammy, uh, which is not even close. <laughs> uh, they did not But exactly what you would expect. Yeah, exactly. Great point. Uh, so in response, the Canadians acquired Christian Dvorak from the Arizona Coyotes in exchange for a 2022 conditional first round pick and a second round pick in the 2024 NHL draft. The condition is the first round selection will be the better of Montreal's own first round pick and Carolina's first round pick in the 2022 NHL draft. In the event that either or both the Canadians and Carolina's picks are in the top 10, Montreal will instead transfer the worst of the two picks and their own 2024 second round pick. I don't think that'll happen. I don't think we need to worry about that, but it's good to note the conditions of uh, a first-round pick. So, Bill, uh, I'll let you lead it off. Um, your thoughts on, on on all of this. And, and Lou, I'll, I'll give you a little background. You know, Bill, you know, why am I going to give you the background? Bill, give him the background as to why you're a, a Blues fan and a Canadiens fan. Uh, two words, Patrick Waugh. Patrick Waugh, 1986. Right. Yeah. Ten years old, and Patrick Waugh comes on the scene. Um, we didn't have cable, but my my neighbors had it, and um, I remember ESPN was super hot about the Rangers that year. And uh, a young kid out of Montreal shut him down, and uh, 
yeah, I I remember watching some of those games that that windmill save that he made. Um, I I forget who it was on. Um, that might have been Greshner, but just absolutely beautiful save. And from there, it was history. Um, you know, I remember watching games in the early '80s where the Blues would go into Montreal, and it was like you knew you were going to get crushed. And you know, I didn't like it that much. But when Patrick Waugh came along, man, that was that was the difference. I've been a Canadiens fan ever since. Um, and yeah, um, so obviously I, I have, I've showed the Jersey earlier, um, with, uh, Kanyemi, um, really, you know, really thought they had such a great core of center, uh, players coming up, um, you know, with Suzuki and Kotkaniemi, I thought they had a, a great one too, um, pivot set up for a while. Um, and, you know, I very, uh, what I told Kurt, you know, obviously the, the offer sheet, um, 6.1 million, uh, that Kakaniami is not worth that money. Um, and I oh. think, you know, as, as the offer sheet game goes, um, you know, Carolina, uh, probably they, they overpaid, but they only have to pay him for one year and, and they got all the, you know, all the Twitter accolades for, for, you know, like you said, the, you know, the reverse card. And, um, to me, what, what the, the cherry on the icing on the cake was the, when they dropped the, uh, press release in French, um, about the trade, I thought that was perfect. Um, but as the player goes, uh, definitely not, definitely not, uh, at this point in his career worth 6.1 million, um, his next contract, I would be surprised is the same. Uh, what I told Kurt, uh, when we were chatting about it, uh, I, I'm disappointed that Bergevin didn't get his own business done and, and let this happen. Um, and, and I think at the end of the day, the, uh, Bergevin not matching is more about Bergevin than about the player. It's, you know, and, and I think it's, it's kind of a repeat of, uh, you know, PK Subban. He doesn't want anybody who's, you know, who's going to, uh, you know, have any, any brighter limelight and signing an offer sheet's pretty audacious. So, uh, uh, well, uh, not, I, I, let me. Let me interrupt and just say I've got the exact sure. quote of what you said, um, and I, I just I thought this was a great line. Uh, again, we, we've got a little chat we have between the three hosts, talk about what's going to be on the show as well as what's going on in the NHL. Uh, so looking at that, Bill, uh, I'll just say voiced his displeasure, uh, and then Kurt asked, uh, you want him to match? And Bill says, I wanted him to take care of his business on his own terms and not get in the position to lose him like this. I can't believe that this was a long game outcome he positioned himself for. And I think that was very well said because I completely agree. That's just a situation as a GM you can't let yourself get into. Yeah. And and I think, you know, the Dvorak move, yeah, it it's it offsets it, but you know, I, I think that's that's Bergevin saying, um, you know, just saying it without saying it that he's moved on. And uh, you know, that that he had a plan B in place all along, uh, when at the end of the day he's the one that really looks like an ass in this whole thing. I think the bottom line is he's just mad maybe that 
Carolina matched the contract offer to Sebastian Ajo. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that yeah. Now, that would have been a heck of a coup if he would have been able to pull that one off. Yeah. Yeah, ma- imagine yeah. that uh, that run last year if Ajo was on that roster. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, got that's yeah i mean in you know a completely different story but yeah um you know if if montreal would have pulled that off you know it would have been great and and i think it was you know it, it was one uh, kind of a predatory move you know carolina still got relatively new ownership and you're going to test those purse strings by throwing that offer sheet and uh, they come back with this one you know definitely overpaying for the player and saying if you want them, you've got to match it. And, you know, yeah, it, like I said, at the end of the day, Bergevin's the one that looks like an ass. <laughs> yep, unfortunately for the Canadians. Uh, so the NHL, NHLPA, International Olympic Committee, com- Committee, good Lord, and the International Ice Hockey Federation struck a deal that puts NHL players back in the Olympics in February 2022 in Beijing. They did skip the 2018 Pyeongchang uh, Games, for those of you that uh, might not remember or might be new fans. Um, I'm a fan of players of, of the best of the best in the Olympics. I know there's an argument to be made for this is for amateurs, not professionals. And I... I see that point, but I just feel like when it comes to the Olympics, I want to see the best competition there is. So I'm all for this. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts? Let's start with Lou. Uh, your thoughts on uh, the NHL returning to the Olympics? Oh, God, a thousand percent, yes. I mean, I don't even. I, where do you where do you begin? I mean, some of the some of the great Olympic games we've seen over the years, man, just the heart and the passion that these guys put into these it's it's great drama it's great you know it's the best of the best i mean why how could you not want that it's just not just not just as somebody that's rooting for you know a particular team and your your players representing a certain country i mean just how could you not want to see the best players in the world competing against one another and where the stakes are high i mean you you see that you know, you see the best players from the NHL perspective, you know, in an all-star game, but that doesn't even compare because that they don't, you know, there, there's, there's no passion in that. I mean, they, they're, they're just kind of out there putting on a show. This, this is, this is some serious stuff. I mean, I remember talking to Alex Petrangelo about this once and uh, you know, he says uh, when we were talking about, you know, competing in the Stanley cup playoffs and trying to win a Stanley cup. And he goes, the only thing that's even remotely close to this is competing in the Olympics and, and trying to win that gold medal and leave you and me when, when, when those guys get selected to represent their countries, it means just as much to them as trying to win it, win a cup over here. It's, 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 there's nothing like it. And, you know, if, if, if you feel otherwise, I feel sorry for you because uh, there, there, to me that there's just, there's very few games that, you come away watching at the Olympic level that you come away with saying, why did I just waste two and a half, three hours of my time watching that? Because the, the, the competition is just incredible. One of my favorite games that I've ever watched. And I'm so happy as a kid, I recorded on VHS was um, I believe it was 2002 in Salt Lake city. 
when uh, Belarus beat Sweden in uh, in in a uh, in a playoff game, and uh, which unfortunately ruined Tommy Salo's career. He never yeah. rebounded after that. But I mean, I remember just watching that game, and Sweden had like fifty-two shots in the game, and. Belarus only had like 18, but they just found a way to to grind out that win. And that's when, when people argue, well, I don't want to see these six, nothing, you know, seven, one games. There's that one chance. And, you know, we heard it with the Herb Brooks line for miracle when he says um, they're going to beat us nine out of 10 times, but there's that one time. And like, that's what I wait for in the Olympics is, yeah. As much as I want USA to just go undefeated, when they've got a close game late, even against a, a Belarus or a Germany, I love it. I, I it's captivating, and it, it's 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 God. I love this player on Germany, but man, I hope USA finds a way to to pull through. I mean that's that's the kind of stuff I want to watch when I'm watching the Olympics. What do you think it means for those countries that normally feel like they don't stand a chance, and now you got to you actually have a chance to slay the dragon. I mean, that's it's it's rare, but it's something that if you get a chance to see it, it's it's captivating. It, it is to me, and it's something that if you do get a chance to see something like that, you may never see it again. So just soak it in and enjoy it. That's that's what it's all about. Yep. Bill, your thoughts? Yeah. Um, I mean. There's, I I don't I don't want amateurs to return to the Olympics because the best possible outcome that could ever have happened happened in 1980, right? We're we're never going to see that again. So at this point, just give us the best of the best and and, and let's see it every four years. Um, you know that that is. You know, it, it, it was a once in a lifetime event. It, it occurred, um, you know, and now, you know, to your point, Lou, you know, the, the chance of slaying the dragon, Belarus beating Sweden, um, you know, China in uh, a couple of, you know, a couple Olympics from now, uh, you know, not known as a, as a hockey nation uh, could shock some people. Um, you know, that's, uh, uh, they're, they're going to build like, like they've built the, built the rest of their Olympic, uh, committee, uh, the, the, or the Olympic programs rather. Um, and, and there, there's going to be some shocking, some upsets. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I give me, give me the best players in the world every, every four years, let it happen. If, if you can't, can't find a tournament, a Canada cup style tournament to feature these guys do it at the Olympics. I was, I was trying to think, I actually couldn't remember who won the last world cup the NHL held, but I believe it was Canada, right? They, it had to be, that's the way I see it. But I remember it was team Europe that was in the final with them. Yaroslav Halak was the starting goalie. And I remember just thinking like, this is, this is fun to watch. It's good hockey, but, if team Europe wins, who's celebrating? You know, I know that there's, right. you know, you got Andre Kopitar, you've got the Slovakians on that roster, German players on that roster. But like, if they end up winning, that's nothing for those countries, you know, like 
in the Olympics, you know, I remember uh, Italy when they had a team. The, I think it was uh, the last time the NHL was in the Olympics. They scored a goal against Canada or the U.S. And the it, it was mayhem in the arena because it was, oh, my God, we scored a goal against one of these powerhouse teams. And it was the same right. thing. I remember watching the um, in Pyeongchang, the uh, Korean women, they had a uh, I think it was. I think they call themselves like the Korean Federation because it was both North and South Korean women. And they ended up, they were shut out like their first two or three games. And then they finally scored a goal. And I think they even got the first goal of the game. And it was a huge deal. And you just saw everyone going nuts in the stands, people flooding the ice, you know, players flooding the ice from the bench. Cause they scored a goal. Like that is why I love the Olympics. I love seeing that kind of stuff. So Seeing it from that perspective, that's that's the kind of stuff I want to see every four years. Uh, in the YouTube chat, uh, <laughs> always funny when this young man chimes in. Austin Lynch says, hey, I was just at the Cardinals game. I might be a little late. Uh, Austin, you are. Um, and yeah, Austin, uh, for, for those for Lou, who may not know, Austin is a, a a young high school kid, so go to bed. You've got school tomorrow, young man. Um, he uh, he likes to t- chime in and tell us what's going on. I remember last week he told us, "Sorry, I was busy with homework, but I'm tuning in now." And I'm just like, "Dude, you didn't have to tell us. We would have just assumed you were listening." So, same thing here, Austin. You didn't have to tell us you were at the Cardinals game. We would have assumed you were already watching. <laughs> nice. Um. Last bit of news, uh, the NWHL, the National Women's Hockey League, which we uh, we were lucky enough to have Buffalo Buttes GM Nate Oliver and then uh, uh, NWHL reporter Dan Rice on the show last week, which you have not listened, was awesome getting to know them, their league, and how they prep for the season. Uh, but they have rebranded. They are no longer the NWHL. They are now the Premier Hockey Federation, or the PHF. Uh, the way that they worded it is no labels, no limits. PHF now defined by the talent and skill of its athletes. Um, I was uh, I voiced my opinion on this on Twitter. I want to hear your guys' opinion, too, if, if, if you have one. I didn't like this move just in the sense that you are still a new league, you're slowly becoming a household name, um, and you're changing your name right now. I just, uh, I feel like that was a very odd time. I feel like, you know, if you were to do that in 10 years, I know that's a long time, but maybe you've got more clout to where it's okay. I just fear that people are going to say, you know, hey, uh, you know, you can stream the PHF over there on Twitch, and people are going to say, what the hell is the PHF? Whereas if you would have said that about the NWHL, it's clear, you know, okay, yeah, that's the Women's Hockey League. Um, and I added a, in, in our notes here, Bill, I added a note from uh, Harrison Brown on Twitter, um, a, a former NWHL player. Uh, sh- he says, sorry, he says, uh, I was extremely proud to play in the NWHL, but when I was asked where I played hockey by strangers, it would give me anxiety to state the full league name and essentially out myself. This is a very important move for non-binary or trans hockey players. Love the new digs, PHF. So in that sense, yes, that's fantastic. I'm glad it's more inclusive. 
It's it's letting people of non-binary and trans, uh, um, um, uh, it, it's allowing them to feel more at home with this league. But to me, again, it's just a, a matter of changing your name so early. They just started in 2015. I think it's for branding, for marketing, which is where my mind goes. It's a little soon to make that change. But uh, please, if, if you guys disagree, please tell me. No, I'm, no I, 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 I'm sorry. Go ahead, go ahead Lou. No, go I, with Lou. No, I was just going to say I agree because it's it's more or less, um, like you said, uh, when, when people want to get in tune with it, they're thinking, oh, where's the NWHL? Who's who's gonna who's gonna think of something different? That's that to me. That was your household name. That was what you have been known for, and that's what you have grown as. And it's like you know, it it hasn't been that long, but your brand has grown under that moniker, and that's and and that's what I've kind of associated it with. So. Yeah, I, I I think it's been a little too soon for that because now when you look at it from a new name, you're thinking, well, where is it, you know, or what is it? And someone's gonna someone's gonna kind of get lost in the shuffle here. That that's that's where I, I, you know, like try 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 thinking of the NHL wanting to all of a sudden change the National Hockey League, okay? And they're gonna people are gonna be like what the heck is it now and nobody's going to nobody's going to remember what it would what it would become they're going to remember it what it was and to me the NWHL is what it was and that's everybody that got interested and involved in it that's what they've known it as and i don't know i agree i i, I just think it's i don't i don't know if it's maybe i'm wrong i don't know if it's going to be a good move for them or not i don't see it as a good move right now but Maybe down the line it will be, but from the outset, I, I, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a little bit of a tough haul to try to bring more on board and, and to get more fans involved. Uh, just just because of that itself, because those ones that you did bring on board, you know, they knew it as the NWHL, and that's that's what I've always known it as. It's going to be hard for me to try to look for it under a different brand and a different name. Yeah, I I think that you know for, for a league the size of the PHF, PHF, to yeah, use the correct <laughs> moniker at this point. Um, you know that there's probably more brand loyalty to the teams than to the league at this point, and that that may be what uh, what they're trying to you know, leverage, um, you know, I, the, as long as there's stability, um, you know, in the teams and, and you're not having, you know, a, a more, you know, you're not going to go through a bunch of turnover in teams where, you know, a, a, a team shuts down mid season or, um, or, you know, get sold and rebrands the team name. I, I think that, it's probably not as as uh, dangerous a move. Um, I mean, I, I definitely last you know last week when Nate and uh, you know Dan were on the show, 
I was cruising NWHA, NWHL.com, right? They had a great website, and I'm sure that's going to redirect to uh, to the PHF. But, um, you know, I, I think in this day and age, it'll it'll be easier to, to find. But for, for a league, there's probably some risk, like you guys are saying, you know, for a league uh, this kind of nascent. Um, but I, I don't know. I, 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 I do tend to think that the brand loyalty lies with the teams and, and not with the league itself. Well, I hope you're right. I, uh, yeah, I, I, and I think there's a lot of loyalty. Like we talked about the white caps last week, which by the way, they still have not announced that Amanda Levier, uh, has signed for this season. Doesn't so that's matter. still, that's still breaking news for Let's Go Blues right. Radio. Right. Um, it, it but no, broke she, on our show. It did break on our show. But, yeah, she's uh, – no, that whole team, like, that's – you know, and obviously the Buffalo Buttes, like you said last week, fans now because the GM was awesome enough to come on and talk about his preparation for the season. But, um, yeah, I, I'm still going to watch. I'm still going to stream on Twitch. You know, it's still a fun league to watch. It's – um, you know, it's, it's, it, the skill level is, is out of this world. Um, but yeah, I, and maybe in three years we're talking about how, oh yeah. Remember how they were the NWHL, you know, and, and it's like an afterthought. I hope that's the case, but I just, I don't know. I just feel like it's a little soon to make that change. But again, I'm, I've got a marketing branding background. That's where my mind goes. But, you know, like you said, Bill, that's a good point. Maybe it's just that they say, well, these people are already, they're with the teams. You know, they care about the teams. They don't care about the league itself. Maybe that's the case. But, uh, and I hope you're right, because I I hope that league continues to grow. Well, uh, we have reached the end of the show. Um, Let's see, looking at the comments here in Facebook, Ben Hampton asks, is there any way to listen without having the Facebook or YouTube app open? Uh, unfortunately, Ben, if you want to listen live, that is the only way to do it. Uh, but again, we do podcast the show. So sometime tomorrow, probably in the early afternoon, uh, you could always tune in after. But again, you lose the fan interaction there. So you won't be able to interact with us. But if you are interested, we're on every podcast platform, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Stitcher, whatever the hell else is out there. We're on all of them. So you can always find us on there too. Um, so uh, anything else from you fellas before we close up the show? Yes, I am shocked that nobody asked me for lines. <laughs> That's true. We did. Okay, Lou, what are the lines next season? <laughs> I knew you're, and you know what? Look at this. I even got my little, I even got my little post-it here. I put it on my post-it just in case somebody decided to ask an impromptu, impromptu lineup for opening night. And let's hear it. I'll give you, all right. All right. We'll do this since I put my foot in my mouth and decided to bring it up myself. Um, I am going, you guys want to hear names? Or you guys want to hear numbers? Oh, well, I would love to do numbers, but for those that may not be as well equipped as us, let's go with names. Okay, my lineup for Colorado, October 16th. By the way, guys, that's coming up pretty quick here. Uh, I am going Buchnevich, O'Reilly, Perron is my top line. Saad, Shen, Tarasenko. Oh, boy. Include them, guys. 
Clem Costin, Robert Thomas, Jordan Cairo. My third line, fourth line, everybody's favorite, Zach Sanford, Oscar Sundquist, if he's healthy, obviously, and there's a good chance that he could start on LTIR. Uh, and if he doesn't play, then I am putting Dakota Joshua in there with Ivan Barbashev because I think Dakota Joshua, I like the way he played last year, and I think he deserves a shot. And my D pairs, some might agree with these, some may not agree. I'm going Krug and Pareko to start because they tried to start them last year when they were hel- when Pareko was healthy. Obviously, that's a big if. I want to split up Krug and Falk because I just I want to have a little more balance and I want to have a little more size. So you put I am putting Scandella with Falk and I am starting Jake Wallman with Robert Bortuzzo and Mikola is my seventh defenseman. You know, I, uh, I I mentioned this last week. Uh, one of my teammates asked me what he what I thought of a top pairing of Pareko with Nico Mikola, and I thought I'd like to see it in camp. That's that's a big that's a big pairing, two big guys. But yeah, I mean, right now it's like you're putting a lot on Mikola's shoulders having him play oh, on yeah. the top pairing. He's getting there, not quite yet. Let's put it that way. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm not. I'm not there yet. I just. I need to see more reps. I need to see more games out of him to see where his game goes. But the sample size we've gotten so far, I've been. I've been pretty impressed with it. Yeah, me too. I. I, I said last year. I feel like he's not a guy who's going to put up Hall of Fame any type numbers or anything like that. But he's going to have a solid NHL career. I can see him sticking around for a while. He's a. Very good puck moving and and uh, defensive defenseman. So, um, only the best for him. Hopefully, he stays in St. Louis. We'll see. But those are interesting lines, uh, man. So uh, you've got uh, Kyle Clifford as your healthy scratch on your thirteenth forward, yep. and yep. Uh, Zach Sanford. I, I can't believe he's not on your first line. <laughs> uh, unfortunately he didn't, he didn't make the cut. And, uh, but you know what? He's on the team guys. And I, I know, I know everybody's been ready to put their boot to his behind and kick him out of town, but you know, there's something, you know, listen, he has, stre- he's shown stretches where he can be effective on his team. It's just been too inconsistent for me to, he's, you can't say he hasn't been given ample opportunity. My goodness. He's gotten, so much opportunity to produce, to be a mainstay, and it, it just hasn't worked out. So I don't know. Maybe he uses this one-year contract as a kick in the butt and a kick in the can that says, I better produce consistently on this team, and I better be a productive player on this team, or uh, he's going to find a new address next year, plain and simple. Yep. Yeah, I, uh, I, I've i actually, for the longest time, I was the Zach, Zach Sanford apologist of the show. I was, uh, I always thought he provides a lot. I just don't think he's being used properly. Uh, last season, he got a lot of opportunity and I did not see enough of what he could do. So I agree being a contract year, getting the one year deal, kind of a, a prove it deal from Armstrong. Uh, yeah, no time like the present to prove that you belong in the NHL. So I, I think even that fourth line that you mentioned with Sunquist and Barbashev, those guys can produce. So you've still got opportunity to prove that you can be offensive player, even on the Blues fourth line with those two guys. 
And those guys tend to bring out the best in whoever plays on their line. They really have in the past. And uh, if anybody can bring out the best out of Zach Sanford, I think those two can. Yeah, we saw it with uh, Steen. I thought Steen looked like a rejuvenated player playing on that fourth line with those guys a couple of years ago. So not saying Sanford's in the same mold as Steen. Steen had a little better career, but yeah, I think you could definitely see somebody stepping in and playing great on that line with those two because they, they give it their all every shift. Yeah. I, I really like that line. Um, you know, now, now that, uh, Blaze gone, obviously, uh, in, a. um, Sorry, Sammy. Loved you while you're here, but the trade we got for you, uh, yeah, you're already forgotten. Um, but putting Sanford up there with, uh, you know, giving him an opportunity for two guys who are probably the the better defensive players on this team outside, better defensive forwards outside of O'Reilly. Um, you know, let him get in on the four check. Use, you know, stop playing like the skinny, uh, you know, Nintendo hockey guy and, and play, you know, get in there, play the wrecking ball um, that Sammy Blay did a little bit. Um, and, and then have, have you know, the ability to be the the forward forward on that group. Um, get, a, get a few more opportunities. I mean, we've seen that he's got really good hands and can get some decent shots off in the slot with a, not a lot of room. Um, I don't know if you're going to have a lot of opportunity like that, but you know, if, if he's, if he's, you know, getting down on the four check and getting closer to the net, I'd like to see his, his hands closer to the net than deep in the slot. I, I think it's, it's, it's a great opportunity. And I just hope that uh, they, they don't try to force Costin onto the forced line and, and, uh, uh, you know, uh, try to use Sanford as a, you know, top six, top nine, top six, four, let him play that fourth line. I like it. So Lou, um, again, I uh, want to thank you very much for coming on the show. Um, I do, uh, I, I kind of a, a question here that I'm totally just not giving you any prep to mention, but is there anything uh, that you can tell us now that uh, people can look forward to hearing from your coverage this season, maybe uh, maybe off the norm, off the beaten path that they normally get from you? Um, not, the, not anything that I can think of off the top of my head right now. I mean, it's I'm kind of in that mode right now where I'm starting to look at players on the roster and thinking of maybe different things to write about these guys. I mean – you know, again, it, it just all comes down to just little chit-chat. You, you don't know how many times I've come up with a story, just little random chit-chat with guys in the locker room that they may drop something to you and you're like, wow, that's pretty interesting. Let, you know, you mind talking about it? And boom, next thing you know, there's a story that comes out of that. So I'm just kind of looking forward to especially getting to know some of the new guys that were on the team last year that I never got a chance to talk to face to face, like Tory Crew, you know, and I've never got a chance to meet him yet. And, uh, you know, look at Mike Hoffman was on the team last year and I never got a chance to talk to him face to face, you know, now he's in Montreal. So, uh, just, just looking forward to that, but no, I, I can't, I can't think of anything off the top of my head right now, but, uh, it, you know, as, 
a lot of times things hit me as they come and and it's really really random and spur of the moment but just look for you know just look forward to whatever comes along and enjoy the ride because uh I think this team might uh, surprise some people again. I think they're going to be determined to move back up that ladder again after uh, taking a few pegs down the last couple of years or getting knocked down the last couple of seasons. Yeah, so again, that's uh, that's Luke Korak. And, you know, we, even though uh, uh, I kind of hit him with a, with a tough question there, he does put out great stuff on uh, on his blog spot as well as, of course, on NHL.com. So I strongly recommend, if you haven't checked out, uh, lcorak10.blogspot.com that you do that. Uh, even now, even over the summer, he's had some great stuff that's been posted. I think your most recent article was the Pareko eight-year deal uh, story. You had some good quotes in there from players. So uh, definitely check that out if you haven't. then, of course nhl.com um any gamers from that's from uh uh home games and then of course you know any other breaking news anything else that happens any other analysis pieces check out nhl.com the blue site you will see plenty from uh from blue korak so again thank you very much and of course again follow him on twitter uh l korak that's korak with a k O-R-A-C-1-0. Give him a follow if you haven't already because, again, great stuff from him. Not just uh, not just kissing ass here. Uh, you do a great job, and we appreciate everything you do, Lou. So thank you very much for joining the show. Thanks for having me, guys. I enjoyed doing this with you guys. It's great to talk puck. Of course. Well, uh, support for Let's Go Blues Radio is brought to you in part by ID Life, the world's only truly personalized vitamin platform based on a health assessment of your DNA. Visit rockinthatidlife.com for more information. That's rockinthatidlife.com and get 10% off by texting Dustin at 636-393-8745 and tell him Let's Go Blues Radio sent you. That's 636-393-8745. Also by Center Ice Brewery, St. Louis's hockey-themed brewery. Visit centericebrewery.com today to schedule a no-contact curbside pickup or to make a reservation in their awesome tap room. While you're there and enjoying a number of their fantastic beers, you can admire the bar top and tables made of authentic arena wood. Located at 3126 Olive Street in Midtown St. Louis, it's one of the best places to watch a blues game. That's centericebrewery.com. Please drink responsibly. That will do it for episode 52 of season 9 of the original St. Louis Blues Hockey Podcast, Let's Go Blues Radio. Thanks for listening, and thanks to those who participated in YouTube and Facebook live chats during the show. I had fun, Bill had fun, Lou had fun, and we hope you had fun too. For Kurt Price and Bill Day, I'm Jeff Ponder, and this was Let's Go Blues Radio. Until next time, everyone, Let's Go Blues. Let's go blues. Can we get a let's go blues from Lou? Uh, I better refrain from doing that. <laughs> That'll work. I'll say it for him. Let's go Damn blues. Media there you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, the Chiefs are at home tonight against Cyanus Board at the War Memorial at 8. Good seats are still available. I think that went very well. Thank you for listening to Let's Go Blues Radio. Now take off, hosers. I want you to have a heart attack and die so that we never have to do this shit again. Well, there's 90 minutes of your life you'll never get back. Sorry.
Louis Blues. St. Louis Blues. Have you heard the news about our St. Louis Blues? They've only just begun. They're on their way to number one. Now there's no more blues for our St. Louis Blues. The Blues are on the ice tonight again. Rough and tough and got the stuff to win. They'll always get one more, no matter what the score. They are quite a hockey team, my friends.